Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. You owe me for one jelly donut. What's your name, fat body? Gary Hoffman. What's your name, scumbag? Shannon Farron. Sound off like you got a pair. Kiss me goodbye and write me while I'm gone. I'm asking f***ing questions here, private. Do you understand? Goodbye, my sweetheart. Hello, Vietnam. Gary. From now on, you're Gomer Pyle. Shannon. I'll be watching you. Gary and Shannon. You know that, don't you? You don't scare me. You keep saying you got something for me. Something you can't oh, love, but confess. Bummer. I know. I'm going to start the show on a down note. But listen, I found out uh, that he died over the weekend, and how can you not relive the first 10 minutes of FMJ? How can you not go down that memory lane of insults? You know, we'll get into to his life coming up at the end of the hour, but he came up with pretty much all of that. Yeah, Arlie Ermey, uh, longtime movie star, but more importantly, I think, is that he was a, a drill instructor in the Marine Corps for a long time and uh, sort of a tangential friend of the show in that our friends at Bravery Brewing up in Lancaster uh, have been talking to us for a couple of years yeah, now about I trying hate, to get up there. I hate and, us for not being able to get up there. Um, but I guess Arlie yeah. was one of the uh, one of the founders and, and um, uh, I guess at least a partial owner of uh, Bravery Brewing in Lancaster. So they had to put on their Twitter feed yesterday. A sad goodbye to uh, Arlie Ermey, died at the age of 74 years old. By the way, <laughs> being 45, mm-hmm. 72 does not seem that, or 74 is not that old. It's not. It's and, not that far away. And Art Bell died over uh, on Friday at 72. Yeah. Uh, we had a family friend die at 68 no, this week. Why are we talking about death? Can we talk about happy stuff at least for something? Yes. Welcome back. Thanks. Uh, I heard that Baby Goat won the contest. Yes, and boy. I was not shocked. Really? Yeah, because, okay, baby goats have been kind of having a a thing within the past year or so. People keep tweeting pictures of baby goats, uh, goats goats climbing trees, goats. Goats goats in pajamas. Goats in pajamas. Goats are very big right now. Baby goat yoga. Baby Uh, goat yoga is a thing. I almost went to that uh, (laughs) at one one point last summer. You need to. I do need to. Just so you can experience the goat. Yeah. All right. I agree. Um, but, yeah, the baby goat's <laughs> definitely having a time. Well, we hope that we can add to that little fire that is burning. Oh, no doubt. In the baby goat universe. No um, doubt we have. This uh, this is going to be an interesting day because we have a bunch to get through. We do have a terror in the skies. We haven't done that since you've been gone. Um, we're also going to get back into Swamp Watch, of course, because there's so much going on in D.C. It's not just the Comey book and his interview from last night on ABC, the fact that it's coming out to the book itself is coming out tomorrow. But a lot of uh, the repercussions of what we saw with the cruise missile attack on Syria and what's going on with James Comey's wife. We have this. a true crime Monday story to tell you about on the show as well. Fascinating story of a woman 
giving testimony in her own murder trial. This is a wait a minute. This is a first time deal. She dead. She's dead. We'll tell you how she's able to do that when we get to that story. And Stormy Daniels in court. I know that you were wishing. I, 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 (laughs) I did not come back to talk about Stormy Daniels. I had 11 days without Stormy Daniels in my life. And it was 11 days too few. Well, you're the one. Uh, For some reason, they're going to be in court. Well, I know why. We'll talk about why it is that that they're going to be in court today. She is going to be in court along with her lawyer, and Michael Cohen, the guy who is President Trump's personal attorney, who had all of his stuff raided. Uh, again, raid is a is a pretty violent sounding term, considering he himself said everybody who worked at the FBI who came into his home, his office, and his hotel room were all the utmost professionals when it came to how polite they were in taking all of his stuff because of the search warrants. James Comey was the interview heard around the world last night. How about James Comey for being the antithesis of a straight-laced, buttoned-up, not-much-to-say-here FBI director, former FBI director? He's a descriptive SOB, isn't he? I am. There there are some things, again, I wish in hindsight he had some sort of editorial control over what came out of ABC – because I think there's a there are you know you can hate him for whichever thing you want to hate him for you can hate him for the Clinton investigation you can hate him for this book you can hate him for the way he talks about uh, his inter- his meetings with the president current president but there are just a few things that he did that degraded his credibility with me last night yeah I mean I found it to be more fascinating than I thought it was going to be. You know, to tell you the truth, I knew it was happening yesterday, but I was kind of like, eh, what's he going to say? It's not, nothing's going to surprise me. Right. What, what, well, this morning I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm reading the, the transcripts. He said a, a lot of things that surprised me coming out of his mouth. I did like, because I've never seen the story before, it, and it was a little bit, I mean, it's part of the push to sell the book. Salacious. But, uh, his, his, what happened to him as a kid? Did you see that part of it? Yeah. So when he was uh, a teenager, I think it was, somebody busted into their house and, and, and held the family, basically, like a home invasion robbery. He was 16 or something. And he talked about that having changed his life in terms of changing his attitude about crime, about how to solve crime, how to get out in front of it and stop it, which sent him on this track down this career path of law enforcement, which is where he finds himself. Now he's an author, I guess. Um, but to me, that was that was interesting, kind of added a little bit of humanity to a guy that we've, for the most part, seen as a robot a lot of times. Yeah, I thought it was a, a little low of a blow. And maybe, you know, the the editors of the book press for this kind of information. But the salaciousness of the first meeting between Comey and Trump and oh. about what Trump looked like. He had impressively coiffed hair. Nervous? Yes. What were you afraid of? I'm about to meet with a person who doesn't know me. He's just been elected president of the United States. From my watching him during the campaign, could be volatile. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it. All right, but just I want to say something about that. This man is the director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and he's worried about somebody with a with a strange attitude uh, because he's going to tell him about the pee-pee tape. To me, that didn't jibe. You've dealt with a lot bigger issues than 
a guy with a you know potential uh, off the wall reaction to what it is that you're going to say. But this is a guy who's over James Comey. This is James Comey's boss. So, yeah, uh, you know what I mean. I, yeah. And the, the the apples that he's dealt with that have been volatile in the past have been guys he's probably going to lock up, right? Or he's he's investigating. So this is somebody who he still needs to be cordial to, and yet has to talk about this alleged dossier where these hookers are are, are talking about peeing on him. But you're right. He then goes on to the physical condition that he finds this man in, and have leverage over him. It was the first time you met Donald Trump. What was your impression? He had impressively coiffed hair. It looks to be all his. I confess I stared at it pretty closely. And my reaction was, must take a couple of time in the morning. His tie was too long, as it always is. He looked slightly orange up close. Okay. With... Now, that is some catty ass right there. Well, and it, what, makes come me, on. it makes me wonder, did he, if I was James Comey, I would have said to George Stephanopoulos, that stuff's in the book. I don't need to do it in the interview. Totally. Exactly. But you know what? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if producers had a talk with them before they sat down to do this five hour interview and said, we want you to be descriptive. That part in the book where you describe what he looked like on your first meeting, get that in there. That description was great. We want to hear that because you know how producers can be. So I'm sure that that happened, but it made James Comey look caddy well and that's and, and, and you're right it did discredit him a little bit when you when you think of him the fbi director former fbi director on this pedestal right of integrity it just it, made, why made do you no care sense. what somebody looks like we've said this repeated times there are pl- if you want to go after this guy you want to go after this president because you hate him or you don't like him or you don't like his policies or you think he's in bed with the russians or whatever that's fine go after him for those things the the simple cheap Saturday Night Live trick about his hair or his hands or his exactly orangeness. exactly I mean I know women get it all the time Sarah Huckabee Sanders gets it all the time what's she wearing oh she shouldn't wear that jacket oh what's she doing with that necklace I get it but when you hear men being catty it's, <laughs> it's even worse <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue we also have a chance to win a thousand dollars coming up brought to you by Cunning Dental if you got some nasty stank Bangkok mouth wow. you can call Cunning Dental for a free exam I Triple saw eight, a lot of Bangkok mouth Triple eight six forty smile keep listening we'll tell you how to win more on the James Comey interview from last night coming up Friends from the fields Shannon. Uh, it feels good in this chair. Before we get back, you don't want to know what happened in that chair. Before we get back to the uh, James Comey interview with George Stephanopoulos, who is a horn dog. Did you hear that story? Uh, Stephanopoulos? I don't want to hear any story oh. involving George Stephanopoulos <laughs> and him being a horn dog. Before we get to the news at the bottom of the hour, I will. He's a little guy, isn't he? Oh, yeah. How big? Well, I mean, short. Like, how tall are you, private? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, your chance to win $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Remember, answer, answer, that phone. answer the phone. It's going to be a number that you don't recognize, but you let that, that, that call pass you by, and they will move on to the next person, and that thousand dollars just flies out of your window yeah, don't do what i did this somebody called me from boca raton florida today and i didn't answer why not because they did i don't know and it could they have also been a thousand dollars i don't think so your chance to win another thousand coming up an hour from now
So last night on ABC, George Stephanopoulos sits down with former FBI director James Comey. They talk about all kinds of stuff. They talk about um, the president, the current president, the, the former president. He talked a little bit about Obama and uh, former Attorney General Loretta Lynch that we'll get into in just a second. But the, I think the biggest headline, the biggest takeaway from what James Comey's opinion is is that it, he thinks that Donald Trump is unfit. Our president must embody respect and adhere to the values that are at the core of this country, the most important being truth. This president is not able to do that. He is morally unfit to be president. Right. Well, in one of the stories that Comey talked about last night is evidence of his opinion that you just heard. And he said it goes back to that first meeting and we talked about how Comey was pretty catty when he said, oh, his tie was too long and he looked orange and his hair was quaffed and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he says that President-elect Trump's first question. I was operating. Well, I was operating. I was operating in a world. Sorry. My fault. I'm not used to having somebody there. It's OK. It's all right. The Trump's first question was con- to confirm that the Russian meddling in the election investigation had no impact on the election. And Comey says, then the conversation, to my surprise, moves into a PR conversation about how the Trump team would position this and what they could say about this. And Comey's like, what the hell? You know, in his head, he's like, that's just not done. I'm the director of the FBI. Why are you talking to me about how to shape this from a PR standpoint so the Trump team looks good? And Comey says that it struck him as not only atypical, but also reminded him of prosecuting mafia bosses and all the information that he heard from people who worked in mafia families and how they expected this loyalty and how everybody was involved in the family and the decisions and the PR conversation would not be not be out of um, out of bounds for, for, for a mafia boss to have with his consigliere or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, so it uh, struck me and, that and that and, and that to me was the way that business is done in New York. Right. It's very much like a mafia family. It was To me, it was just proof that Donald Trump businessman had zero idea what the presidency was meant to be. Or just didn't care and said, or this is the care. way that I right. do business, and this is the way I'm going to do business in Washington. So I'm going to ask for loyalty or demand loyalty or think about talking about loyalty I'm right. gonna, because that's the way I do it in, in my Trump Tower in New York. That's the way I'm going to take it to the White House. Right. This is the way he's operated for 70 years. Why would it change now? Just because you're expected to have this decorum of, of the office of the president of the United States. But yeah, I mean, in that point there where he says, you know, that I find him morally uh, unfit. Let me see if I, our president must embody respect and adhere to the values that are at the core of this country. You know who said, you know where it says that? Which founding document says that? Not one of them. So that's a personal opinion. That's James Comey's opinion. But uh, there are plenty of people who don't think that way. Who elected Donald Trump president? So, I mean, I think there's a reckoning. I think there are people now have to deal with the consequences of that, but that's not the same thing. Now, he did go after um, he did go after President Obama and Loretta Lynch, too. And I'm not seeing this headline a lot, but he talked about the investigation into Hillary Clinton's email server. Right. And he talked about that. It was jeopardized by comments that President Obama made and Loretta Lynch made. He didn't get into too much about the uh, tarmac meeting between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch. 
just before he came out and said that, you know, we're not going to investigate her, but she was uh, careless, extremely careless. But he talked about President Obama's comments in October of 2015 that the email use was a mistake. Then uh, April 10th, a few months later, Obama said that Clinton may have been careless but did nothing, anything to intentionally harm national security. And the way Bob Mueller, I'm sorry, Bob Mueller, the way James Comey writes it is President Obama is a very smart man who understands the law well. But I don't know why he spoke about this case publicly and seemed to absolve her before a final determination was made. So he he then goes on to talk about Loretta Lynch and Loretta Lynch pushing the issue of the FBI referring it to it as not an investigation, but as a matter and why that was so important and why he felt pressure from Loretta Lynch at the time. One of the other nuggets that came out was when Stephanopoulos asked him something to the effect of, do you think that this is a president who will be or should be impeached? And Comey said, no, I don't think he should be impeached. I think it's up to the American people to vote him out. They put him in there. They need to get rid of him kind of thing for the country. I mean, that, and those that there are glimpses of um, of honor, I think, from James Comey from the from the interview. But the talking about his hands and See, his that's hair, the thing. that, was, that, that degraded that was, any trust I had. That was the one part where he was just advised so wrongly because yeah. there were a lot of great nuggets in there. And then he had to talk about somebody's tie being too long because because the outfit matters the george stephanopoulos story when we come back oh yeah and we'll get into stormy daniels in court with michael cohen Mm. gary and shannon will continue shannon's back we are gonna come together Before we get into the story about the personal lawyer and Stormy Daniels, I have to go back to to George Stephanopoulos. Um, George Stephanopoulos is married to uh, to actress Allie Wentworth. Allie Wentworth. Yes. See her right here. Yes, she's very pretty. She's yes. Uh huh. She's all right. She has a new book coming out this month called "Go Ask Allie." Half-baked advice and free lemonade. That sounds totally normal. Oh my! It, it sounds it sounds like something someone um, west of the four hundred five yes. would salivate. It's over. like straight out of Goop. It's like a Goop visitor <laughs> blog. I'm. Could you imagine the audio book of Go Ask Allie Half-Baked Advice and Free Lemonade? She says. Her relationship, her relationship with George Stephanopoulos mm-hmm. has resulted in the ending of friendships that she's had for a long time. Because? <clears throat> because she tells them how much sex she has with George Stephanopoulos. She, she confesses. She confesses in this book that her fulfilling sex life is a source of tension at ladies' luncheons. And well, she well sa- shut up about it. She says, "There's, the, you know, there's, wait, there's things you do at ladies' I, luncheons." I have a question for you because I know how many ladies' luncheons you go to. Uh-huh. He's five seven, by the way. She says, "That's fine." No, I know. I just I was curious about how tall he is. But Comey, I think, is six eight. Yes, he has six. Did you notice the booster seat that he was sitting on that, that Stephanopoulos was sitting on in the interview? That is like a Gloria Allred booster seat. The absolute lowest moment, reading from the book, is uh, for me, is when the time arrives for the fateful question, how often do you and your husband have sex? 
And she says, I have lost friends with this question. Well, that's because that's not a question that you're going to be ping-ponging back and forth at a ladies' luncheon, probably. It might be a conversation that you talk about with your close friends or whatever. But, you know, when you're when you're in a group setting, you don't start talking about how much sex you're having. No. Because somebody's going to feel bad. Or somebody's gonna, or somebody's gonna be outed as as somebody who you think is having way too much sex. It's just, it's it's a no win situation. It's like, it's like watching a decent proposal with your husband. Uh, you know what I mean? It is a no win situation. Exactly. I mean, women get really jealous, and you know, son, suddenly here the woman next door is having sex five times a week. There could be a woman running home, you know, ripping her husband out of a beer softball league or whatever he's doing and saying we have to have sex now because Peggy is having sex more than we are. Peggy or Allie. It's a no win question. Um, Back in the early 2000s, there were rumors that the the Stephanopoulos Wentworth coupling was not going well. Oh, so maybe doth protest too much. Well, she said she was quick to let the world know that they... They're banging all over the place. She said twice a day. Twice a day. How old are they right now? Now, she's 53 and he's 57. Twice a day, I think... But again, that was 15 years ago. Okay, even 15 years ago. So what's that, mid-30s? Early 40s. Early 40s. She's late 30s. He would be early 40s. I feel like twice a day you're trying to make up for something that's not there or something. I think that's not true. Yeah. I mean, you can – If she thinks it's twice a day, but it's – I mean, I don't know. But I just thought you should chew on that little George Stephanopoulos Mm. nugget. Great. Which great, great way of putting it. All right. President <laughs> Trump's longtime personal lawyer is in court today in New York. Um, they are looking at limiting a federal prosecutor's ability to review seized documents. That's what they're arguing. Remember, being an attorney gives you certain privileges in terms of the conversations, communications that you have with your client. And in this case, they have already spelled out that there is something called... <laughs> Although they did change the name of it. Last week, they referred to it as a taint team. Now they call it a filter team. It's a a dirty team. There's a clean team and a dirty team in some of these investigations. And, you know, the dirty team will know what's under attorney-client privilege and see all that stuff. And the clean team never gets wind of it so that it's not biased when it when it gets brought before a judge. And it can't know those. I've things. never heard it be called a taint team, though. That's that definitely I new. When I saw it last week, I made fun of it. But they've changed it here in this story to a filter team. So the prosecutors want to have these seized documents be reviewed for attorney-client privilege by this filter taint team of lawyers within their own office. (laughs) They would be walled off from the main prosecution team, hence the the dirty team versus the clean team. Uh, The thing is that the whole Stormy Daniels aspect of this, she is also supposed to be in there. She is arguing... Or she she is engaged in her own legal battle with Michael Cohen over the hundred and thirty thousand dollars that she was paid. She alleges to keep her quiet about the sexual encounter that she had with Trump in a court filing last night. Lawyers for the president, uh, who as a private citizen, lawyers for Trump asked to be allowed to review the documents that in any way might relate to the president. So they are involved, at least represented by a lawyer as well. So everyone's arguing to get their fingers on this thing. 
Can we not say? I just, I realized I should have. Yeah. Probably. From Stephanopoulos. Everybody's trying to get their eyes on this. Is that right? They want to see the, they want to see the document. I think a lot of eyes have been on that. Uh. Remember when he went through the filmography? <sighs> okay, here, guys, listen. Here's something not to do online. Google Stormy Daniels filmography because it is a it is an IMDb trail down a, a road you don't want to go down and and we had to for the show for research but don't do it. Did you know she was in the Forty Year Old Virgin? She was. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, she was in the Forty Year Old Virgin. Well, that's probably the cleanest title that she's been involved with. Um, divorcees. I think you should stop looking at that. That's the only one I can read. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming up next, we say goodbye to a great. And it's very, you know what? It's one of those uh, stories that makes you want to pick up the phone. You know, pick up the phone, call your mom, call your dad, call an actor that you've loved forever that might listen to the show or at least have some idea of who we are and invites us up to have a beer in Lancaster and uh, we didn't we didn't go. We blew it. We blew it. Um, this is Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, as you know him from Full Metal Jacket. Our Lee Army. And he was a veteran in his own right. Quite the interesting life. And we will uh, tell you about it when we come back. Gary Channer will continue. Hey, radio DJ, can you play that song that she loves so I can turn it? Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Coming up during the show, we'll tell you what they're doing in France or what they have done in France to cut the number of people substantially that are dying from opioids and heroin. And the plan that could work here. Just got to make some changes to the way that doctors are able to give people some medication to get them off opioids. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? My brother and I used to watch this, the first 10 minutes of FMJ we had on VHS, right, over and over again, (laughs) just to learn all of the insults. And, you know, we were way too young to be watching this, but it didn't matter. Um, I I didn't know uh, Arlie Ermey won a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actor as Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in that movie, in Full Metal Jacket. I did not know that. Yeah. uh, He was 74 years old. He died from pneumonia-related complications. A lot of people may not know that he served in the Marines for quite a bit of time. He served 11 years in the Marine Corps, spent 14 months in Vietnam, then in Okinawa, Japan, where he became staff sergeant, and ended up with more than 60 film credits in uh, film and television credits. He was in, uh, obviously, always the authority figure, right? Everything from Seven to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I believe he voiced a, a role in in Toy Story, he but was, yeah, he was Sarge, the the little Green Army man. I had, I had no idea. Yeah, that, I mean that's how my kids would remember him. Right, right. They wouldn't remember him the way I remember him from my childhood, which was, uh, you know, those insults. By the way, all of those foul mouth insults. That was stuff that he came up with. Yeah, he, he uh, yeah, Stanley Kubrick, who did um, 
full metal jacket says that 50% of the dialogue was his own, was Arlie Army's own. Stanley Kubrick said, in the course of hiring the Marine recruits, we interviewed hundreds of guys. We lined them all up and did an improv of the first meeting with the drill instructor. They didn't know what he was going to say. And we (laughs) could see how they reacted. Uh, They say Lee came up with 150 pages of insults. So that whole thing that we saw the first 10 minutes of that movie, that was all very genuine and it felt genuine. What is your major malfunction, number? <laughs> if you ladies leave my island, if you survive recruit training, you will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. Stanley Kubrick uh, said that during production, uh, Lee was in a terrible car accident. And he was out for four and a half months with broken ribs, but went back to do the role. And I'm trying to, I, I remember him being so, um, you know, great posture, obviously, as a drill sergeant. But I just kind of remember at, at some points in that movie of him seeming kind of like, not frail, but maybe it, you could see how he had like a rib injury as I'm going back in my head. And I didn't know yeah. about the car accident. But he said that he grew up and he had like a lot of problems uh, growing up, that he was, uh, you know, he acted out a lot. He was born in uh, 1944 um, in Kansas. And then the family moved to Washington when he was 14. He says he was a troublemaker, a hellraiser. He found himself in court multiple times. He says, basically, a silver haired judge, a kindly old judge, looked down at me at one point and said, This is the second time I've seen you up here. It looks like we're going to have to do something about this. And Lee said he gave me a choice. He said I could either go into the military, any branch I wanted to go to, or he was going to send me where the sun never shines. Lee says, and I love sunshine. I don't know about you. So he went into the military. Yeah, he was in the military 11 years as a Marine. There is some mystery for us, not for him, but there's some mystery about what ended his career, all he would really say is that it was ended by a rocket in 1969 and really wouldn't talk about it. The, the New York Times actually asked him about it a while ago and said, listen, he said, if a person's wife and children were killed in a terrible automobile accident, 20 years later, it will bother him to talk about it. That's all he said. Yeah. Didn't get into the details about what it was, but he did have shrapnel in his back and his arm, spent four months in a hospital, eventually moved to the Philippines where he got married, went to college for a short time, started in show business then. That's when he started doing TV commercials. Um, Survived by his wife. He's got a couple of brothers. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six kids, it looks like. Wow. All the grandchildren and, of course, great-grandchildren as well. And um, we've said this before. um, We have people who listen to the show up at Bravery Brewing in Lancaster, and they put out just a couple of hours ago uh, a sad tweet with a picture of Arlie Ermey. It says, we sadly announce that Arlie Ermey the Gunny has passed away. Gunny has been many things for many people, but most importantly, he was a treasured friend and co-founder of our brewery. We will deeply miss him, but his legacy will still live on. Semper Fi, Gunny. And then a picture there. He also had an amazingly long uh, voiceover career in video games. He was one of those guys that was able to kind of carve out a niche for himself not just in in you know the the military law enforcement roles that he played on film movies and TV but also you know the toy story stuff the fact that he was in all these different video games and still had this 
thriving career, even right up until the very end at the age of 74. Yeah, and I don't, I'm so upset that we never drove up there to Bravery Brewing Company to meet him because we had the opportunity to do so. So make the drive. Pick up the phone. Man, go back to Thailand. Go back to Thailand. Well, I mean, you know what? I had some shady times. In, time. I had some shady times in Thailand. Did you really? Yeah. At one point, our guide pulled a gun out. Are you going to tell us these stories? And uh, at one point, I asked several people on the street how to get to the sex area. And uh, at one point, we mispronounced the name of a beer to the point where we were asking people for a couple of FUs. So, yeah, I've got some stories, but hey, I'll tell you I'm coming up uh, maybe afternoon. Producer Nick, if you, can you throw your headphones on for a second? I have a quick question for you. Let's just say the word uh, elephant and the and F-U is a very similar word in Thai. <laughs> I'm going to have to look those up. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll Nick, tell you all about yeah, what's it. Up? You have a special announcement for us Oh, about tomorrow's show. Oh, yeah, 1035 tomorrow, James Comey. That's yeah, are we talking about with you guys. James Comey? The man himself. And we get to talk to him. You do, yeah. The former director of the FBI, mm-hmm. James so, Comey. So I'm going to ask him why he had to tart up his interview with the description of Trump's tie being too long and his, him being too orange. Yeah, you you will have the chance to ask him that. That's not out of line, right? I mean, nothing's off he the table. He said it. There's he nothing off it. the table. They There's don't nothing, get to do yeah. that. Uh, but the author of A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership, James Comey. Are you going to ask him how many times George Stephanopoulos talked about having sex with his wife? That would oh, be that off, would the, be ta- awkward. off that, the table. That's probably. Off the table. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We'll come back. Guess who's given the state of the city address today? Diversity, unsheltered peoples, and why Iowa is just as good as Los Angeles. We need to get the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the phone, too. Eric Garcetti is coming up uh Well, not him, but you know what I mean. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Please welcome the 42nd mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti. This was his walk-up music. Yeah. Is this going to be his presidential campaign song? <laughs> probably. If you think, I mean, he's trying some out. I think he's probably trying some out. He definitely did not play this when he was in Iowa over the weekend. They do not like the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Iowa as much as as much as he likes to think that Iowa and Los Angeles are interchangeable. Uh, that's not exactly what happened. Um, Eric Arcetti. The mayor of the City of Angels (laughs) Uh, spent the weekend in Iowa. Right now, he's actually giving the State of the City address. Do we have that, Blake? Do we have audio of the State of the City address? You bet your bottom we do. Fire me up. Oh, we're cutting some of it up. Okay. Um, Oh, is that where Nick just ran out? (laughs) Sorry, Nick. Didn't mean to do that on the fly. Uh, I think I actually have uh, some Eric Garcetti stuff. From his time as mayor, because I know that he's uh, giving this live. Well, the last time we heard from him. Four-year university to enter the workforce with the experience and the skills they need to succeed. Okay, that's enough. No. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Um, the last time we heard from him <laughs> was when he was uh, rebranding homeless people. 
Unsheltered. As unsheltered peoples. I've done a search. By the way, we have the entire 400 pages of the State of the City address as prepared by the mayor's office. Nothing left on the cutting room floor. Nothing. Like, how how in love with yourself and your rhetoric are you to go on for this long? <laughs> this thing is a tomb. A tome. Tome. It should belong in a tomb. It should go to a tomb. Well, let me ask you, what are some of the key words that you think he would say? We, I mean, we uh, Besides know th- unsheltered peoples? I've got unsheltered. I've already looked um, at that. Maybe immigrants. Uh, I got it. Without okay. illegal. Never. They're not illegal will not be in the, not in there. You are correct. The word illegal does not appear it does once not. Okay. in the entire tome um, that is a 50-page, 35-page uh, speech. If we're just playing the hits here, how yeah. about Angelinos? Uh, I've got that one, but I'm going to have to have you guess how many times it appears. Six. No. Four. Higher. Eleven. Much higher. No! He says Angelinos more than 11 times? He says Angelinos 31 times Stop in it. a 31-page speech. Stop it. I'm not going to... I don't even that? understand why he has time to sit here and go through all of these pages when he hasn't spent any time in Los Angeles recently. The guy's been on his presidential tour. He was in freaking Iowa. Yeah. What, what kind of L.A. business is there to do in Iowa? Do you know what word also does not appear in 31 and a half pages of speech? Iowa. Iowa. What about New Hampshire? Uh, what about South Carolina, where he also has been going? Oh, where else New has he Hampshire. gone on the presidential uh, trail? Carolina. I mean, he's nope. hit all of those. Uh, Trump. Trump. No. Okay, so let's see. He hit on uh, Angelino's 31 times. 31 times. times. How many times does he say uh, uh, homeless? He says homeless 27 times. No. Yes. Is that a a true story? Absolutely. The word homeless appears 27 times in his speech. Eclipsed only by the word Angelino's 31 times. (laughs) I'm not kidding Well, this was the mayor who said that he was going to eradicate all homelessness in the city of Los Angeles. That's like like saying, I declare Los Angeles to be unicorn land as of Monday. Only going to be unicorns that live here. I mean, that's just how poly... You can't have somebody with that Pollyanna-like thinking that you're going to eradicate all homelessness. It's just... It cannot happen. Um, So the word homeless 27 times, Angelino's 31 unsheltered yes only three times well he's trying to work the unsheltered peoples into the lexicon it's new i mean angelinos he's been harping on that word ever since he was before he was a city councilman the one thing uh, like you said the word immigrant does appear but it only appears five times apparently it's passe to talk about immigrants now the word illegal does not appear anywhere in this but the word diversity does and i'm actually surprised the word diversity only appears twice that's usually how he ends every sentence. Is, is that, about is that every form of the word? Because he could say diverse. Uh, let me double check. I'm pretty sure I did both of them. Yeah. Diverse only shows up twice. Diversity th- uh, three times. Okay. So. Uh, what about guns? Ooh, that's a good one. Guns. I don't think it's going to. Oh, five. Five guns. Five. Five. Yeah. This is a fun game. Five times. This is a fun game. Five times in the 30-page State how, of the City address. How often does it say, uh, I'm running for president, I don't care about Los Angeles? <laughs> That's a long sentence. Though I'll just say this. The word president does not appear. Oh. Outside of, like, uh, pre- Council President Herb Wesson mm-hmm. when, he, when he recognizes him. Um, 
Uh, what about LGBT? What about the Qs? Uh, Q. He would not forget the Qs. Nope, there's none of that. None of that. Gay? Nope. No, it's lesbian. Um, nope. No, the gays and lesbians are passe. Weird. So we're turning our back nope. on the immigrants and the gays and the lesbians and the Qs. Transgender. Give me nope. a transgender. No. Cisgender. No. He Man, like this it. guy just doesn't care about wow. people. Uh, you know what that is? He's moving away from the topics that the Democrats couldn't get, couldn't stop talking about in 2016. One of the reasons they lost the elections. Now, maybe he's taking some notes here. People are tired of hearing about illegal immigration Ooh. and. Um, How's about this one? Cisgenders. <gasps> the word sanctuary does not appear smart. in the state of the city address. That's smart. You know what? He's learning. I think he might be learning something. Except that he uses the word Angelitos 31 times. He's got to get off that word. He's got to get off that word. Nobody says that. We'll like, go through guys, some of this. I have to put. What? So, you know, he's still talking. Yeah. We were the ones who invested our energy and our resources uh, in a future that some of us may never see. Hot mic. But that our yeah, overmodulation. What's going on? Somebody get on that malt box and uh, turn down just a pad. Hey, the guy that runs the malt box in City Hall is a freaking expert. Is he so. still there? Is the I don't guy? know if he's still there. I was there when I was there. Yeah, was I love there. that guy. He used to drive down from Lancaster every day. He, yes. <laughs> Maybe what it's was the his same name? Guy. I feel terrible that I don't remember his name. Malt box guy. Nope. Uh, what about transportation? Transportation. That's going to be a big one. I say seven times. Two times. Two times. What is going Interesting. on here? Interesting. Well, I want to talk about where Garcetti has been spending his time when we come back. Altoona. Exactly. Gary and Shannon will continue. Also, your chance at $1,000 coming up brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you got Iowa mouth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. You get emails. Triple eight. 640 smile. I think you should hey, listen, keep it Bangkok mouth. I've broken up with women in Iowa. Oh, that's right. Single women. Single woman. Single. Never mind. Never mind. Your chance at $1,000 coming up in just a few minutes. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, how about this? How about your chance to win $1,000 right now? Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. And you got to answer the phone. Uh, it's going to be a number that you don't recognize. And if you don't pick up, they move on to the next person and your $1,000 leaves you. And then you'll have another chance to win next hour. And in fact, a chance to win $1,000 once an hour uh, 5 a.m. all the way to 7 p.m. with Conway. Bottom of this hour, we're going to get into the story of uh, some terror in the skies, the uh, trio of drunken lap dancers. Mm. I'm, I've never, fl- I don't know why I'm thinking of this except for that story. I've never flown to Las Vegas before. Really? Every time I've gone, I've driven. Huh. I'm flying this weekend to Las Vegas. It's not, uh, it's not it's too nothing, crazy. It's nothing to be. But it's like bumpy sometimes. It is minutes, bumpy right? over those uh, mountains. over those mountains. Really? Oh, yeah. They're bouncing around there. But, yeah, once you get into the landing time. Which is right after you get into the ascending time, You're right? never I mean, really yeah. in a flight pattern, yeah. That's true. It's pretty quick up and down. Hmm. But, but once you cross over the mountains and start going down, that's when it potentially can get really I love it. bumpy. Tighten up that seatbelt. 
I mean, that might explain the lap dances. I don't know. We'll get into it. <laughs> when we, uh, there, it's an accidental lap dance. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, producer Nick has just informed us uh, not too long ago. The James Comey is coming on to the Gary and Shannon show. Well, I mean, that's your next stop. George Stephanopoulos, then us. And then. I don't know. I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> I have to ask Anthony Weiner. Uh, 1030 tomorrow is when we're going to have James Comey on. We were talking about Mayor Eric Garcetti doing his State of the City speech. I believe it's still going on. It is long-winded and arduous to get through that that written text. But did you hear about his idea to reward certain neighborhoods in L.A. that will accept temporary homeless shelters. Do you know what the reward is? That they'll send cleaning crews, city cleaning crews to those areas and police services. So they'll have more patrols and people to actually clean up after the homeless people. Which but, I- but, the, but the areas that don't raise their hands first, where the city dumps tents and everything, they, they won't get the cleaning crews. Now, am I, for example, if I lived in the city of Los Angeles and I had a backyard big enough to put a secondary shelter in, whatever you want, a granny flat, I happen to live with a 15-year-old girl. There's no chance in hell I'm bringing somebody else into the house. Well, or, I don't think it's, I don't think he wants to put them in your backyard. Well, that was part of, that was one of the uh, one he, of the options last but week. But he'll too. put you. He'll put them in the park next year, backyard. Yeah, again, not. See, that's the. And and he'll reward you by helping clean up all the feces that has now flowed into your backyard. I think he's misunderstanding what it is that people are concerned about when it comes to hosting homeless it's people not in their neighborhoods. That we have cold, dead hearts. It's not that we don't care about people that find themselves on the street. It's just that you care about your families more and keeping your families safe more and keeping the neighborhood that you paid good money to live in clean and safe. And I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that that makes you a bad person. Well, we know that we know that uh, Eric Garcetti has not said he wants to run for president. In fact, the, when you ask him, he says he wants to keep his job. Well, he, he said he likes his job when he was in Altoona. Uh, in Iowa over the weekend because for no reason other than he's clearly uh, trying to tip his toe into the presidential campaign waters. Uh, There was a reporter that asked him under what circumstances would he run for president? And he said, I'm listening this year. Mm -hmm. You know what he's listening for? He's listening to how much money he could raise. He's listening to the cash registers. Exactly. If he can get the funding to run, and get enough investors and big money people to dump money into that campaign and make it legit, then the, then he'll probably be listening a little harder. The one thing he does have at this point, so early on in the race, uh, the the race that it appears that Joe Biden is leading of all people when yeah. it comes to Democratic candidates for president. Did you hear him yesterday on the news program? Biden? Yeah. Yeah. He sounded... He sounded like he's in. He's in. Yeah. I clearly think he's, he's in. He's 78 years old. That's his, that's his Achilles heel. Yeah. Um, but and Eric Garcetti is the, in terms of age wise, appears to be the opposite. He's not. I mean, he's not the youngest person who could potentially run, but he's very young. Forty seven. So so Eric Garcetti says, you know, I'm not. I'm listening this year, and then he says, actually, let me rephrase. Uh, can we do this again? And he says, I'm not here looking for a new job for me. 
I'm looking for more new jobs for America. Oh God. You know what I uh you know what I I think Garcetti needs to have in order to to do well nationally or even statewide? Messy hair? Yes. Exactly. He needs to have human moments. He doesn't have human moments. I covered him for years at City Hall when he was a city council president. He's a nice guy. He's he can be funny. He but he's too perfect. He needs to get off his pedestal. He needs to have messy hair moments. He needs to have moments where he's human and saying things like, I'm not here looking for a new job for me. I'm looking for more new jobs for Americans. That doesn't help. Would it would it would it credit would it help him to have the viral video of him yelling at somebody yeah you know i mean like he comes out i like that he comes out of la city hall and uh a parking attendant is is giving him a ticket for double parking i know he's chauffeured around don't get me wrong i'm you know but but just just run with because those a those ticket givers outside city they hall don't are give aggressive a, and they don't give a damn they are who like you are. freaking monkeys in costa rica they will take 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 when he comes out of L.A. City Hall and sees that ticket giver, ticket taker, ticket giver, mm-hmm. that parking attendant typing up the little ticket and slapping it down on his black crown Vic. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was just inside for like two minutes and I had 15 minutes left on the meter. And they say, sorry, it's up now. You got to pay it. Well, come on. I you, don't don't give me the ticket. I could. Nope, sorry. Don't you know who I am? I'm the mayor of all of these Angelinos. All of them. <laughs> I don't think he'd get into a fight with a meter maid. I think he would. I don't think they call them meter maids anymore. Oh, really? Is that PC? Totally really? trying so carefully not to say the words meter maid. Really? That's a thing. I can't say that anymore. They're parking enforcement officers. Screw that. It's meter uh, maids. Okay. No more PC. We're done with that. Can you believe that he took a walk through Des Moines' hipster East Do Village they, neighborhood I've and got picked a, up uh, Iowa-themed gear at an edgy boutique? I've got a question. Yes, you. Do they call them Des Moinians or <laughs> Des Moinios? Des Moines. Because he's got to learn that word. I mean, Des if he's going to be traipsing through Iowa, he's got to find out the equivalent to Angelino. I'm going to have to look that up. I think Des it's Des Moinian. Demonian sounds like good or maybe a disease. I think they say that's the demonym. Is that the right word? Demonym? The demonym? Amy Smart. I feel like Amy King should know this. Well, I just know that they're Iowans. I haven't heard it break down into cities. Mm. Demonian. Okay. Well, I'm going to look it up. We will figure it out. We'll also do Terror in the Skies when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Monday kicks off coming up after one o'clock. We got a couple of uh, real good stories to tell you about. There's a nationwide woman hunch going on right now for a grandmother accused of killing her husband and then her lookalike to get the ID information. Holy hell. Wow. Where did you say that was? Where do you think? I'll give you one guess. Florida. Yes, sir. Uh, All right. That makes sense. Also, uh, a woman is testifying in her own murder trial. That's a first. We'll tell you how that's able to happen. 
<laughs> well, it's time to look high up in the sky and see what in the world is going on. Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Oh, my gosh. I had the longest flights <laughs> on this trip. I uh, can't imagine. You went what? L.A. to China, China LA, to Thailand? Yeah, so it was uh, 11 hours and then 5 hours. Never again. I Well, and on the way back, it was 5 hours and 11 hours, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. That's got to be it, horrible. It, it, it felt like that's what we should do to people at Guantanamo Bay. Do you, uh, and you don't, you're not a sleeper on a plane. Uh, no, I... Yeah, I mean, I, I slept a little bit, fair amount. Chardonnay? Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're we're basically in the last row uh, of the plane. Oh, were you by the bathroom? Yeah. I hate that seat. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, the good news is, and we were talking about this last night, uh, the good news is when you stand up, you can see what everybody's watching. Yeah, that's... Do they have little screens on the, in front of the uh, seat? On the 11-hour flight, they did. On the 5-hour flight, no screens. Oh. Anyway, let's talk about the drunk lap dancers, shall we? Now, why the Daily Mail refers to them as a trio of lap dancers, I'm not sure, other than they are described to be erotic dancers. This was uh, a flight from Gatwick. And apparently these women, three women believed to be erotic dancers, uh, downed a bottle of Grey Goose. How big? Are we talking like Costco uh, size? Are we talking like just a little 1.75? It may not have been their first bottle. Oh. For some reason, these uh, these three ladies uh, were just drinking Grey Goose, and somebody said something that, that ended up with one woman ripping the hair out of another. One of the witnesses was Angie Dillaway. She said they were friends and cuddling one minute and then getting louder and drinking Grey Goose vodka the next. They started arguing, and they were swearing using the F word and the C word. Oh, see, that's where they went too far. Well, and part of it is, again, they're from Gatwick, so they're they're heading from the United Kingdom to the Canary Islands. They are going to use the C word in a way that we don't. How's that? Well, I mean, they're going to use it the same way we would, but it doesn't come with the same... uh, Punch in your face, startling. Oh, so like them using the c word is like us saying Tuesday. You think that yes. they're, they're just foul mouthed uh, Brits? Their their hierarchy of bad words is very different than ours. Okay, like f word and s word to them is not the nuclear option like it is for us. What is their nuclear options? Uh, I don't know how many of them I could say. Just to be safe. Like bloody of, hell? No. Like, um... Blake's getting nervous. <laughs> like a bumper shoot? Oh, it's umbrella. It's umbrella. Yeah. No, I'll... Well, this one, I know... Because is, I know that's it. true with the Russians. Like, the Russians, when they swear, it is... You know, it's just... You can't even... That's a word that they say all the time. That's bugger? Sim- Never mind. Bugger is not a bad word. Like, bugger off? It is for them. It's not you as will, bad as the C word. You would, I would, I, I guarantee you. <laughs> God, I missed these discussions. I would, 
I would hear Prime Minister Theresa May say the F word or the S word or even the C word before I would hear her say this word. Well, because in Love Actually, um, never saw it. Bugger is used quite a bit as, you know, just like uh, bugger off or bugger this or bugger that's no big thing. But when uh, which is this one of the girls in love actually says the S word, yeah. it's a thing. And right. then she says the F word and it's a thing. It's a very cute part of the movie that you would totally know if you watch it. Um, <laughs> but bugger was no problem, which is why I've said it 74 times. It's like Angelino for me. Um, EasyJet can confirm this is the airline that the flight from London Gatwick to Tenerife South on 13 April was met by police on arrival. Uh, due to the passengers on, beho- uh, on board behaving in a disruptive manner, passengers were escorted away by the police. That's too bad. The other one is uh, Chinese authorities have released the details of a guy who was threatening an airline crew with a fountain pen. They only identified him as Mr. Zhu, taken into custody, custody at a history of mental illness. Mm. Uh, he was holding a cabin crew member around the neck using a pen as a weapon. Can't do that. Which sounds like something that Liam Neeson would do. Can't do that. Security Bureau added that the flight was forced to make an emergency landing, uh, diverted to a Chinese, uh, different Chinese province. All the passengers were safely escorted off the plane by 10.50. I traveled on Air China on this trip, and we stopped at the Beijing airport. And let me tell you, there's not one newspaper in that airport. There's not. There's nothing there. There's just, like, duty-free shops. There's, like, this total lockdown on news. I go to my phone to check the... Uh, my news on my oh, phone. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you it about that. It wouldn't let me look up my news. I posted a picture of the uh, alert on Instagram. It's like, no news is allowed in your area or something of that nature. <laughs> uh, here it is. Feed unavailable. News isn't supported in your current region. The total blackout zone. It's a good uh, place to spend four hours. Side note, just a quick thing about Liam Neeson, because I said that sounds like a Liam Neeson thing. Yeah. Last week, my daughter says to me, hey, we said we watched a Liam Neeson movie at, at, in class today. In class? Yeah, and I started thinking, Wait Was a minute, it Love Actually? I... No. Okay. Was it Clash of the Titans? That's a good movie. No. What about The A-Team? Also a fun movie. Also, no. Gangs of New York? K-19, Taken, The Dark Knight Rises, Battleship, Wrath of the Titans even. What was it? I said, oh, it's got to be a Lego movie. No. What Liam Neeson movie are you watching? They watched Schindler's List. Oh, right. Because it was Holocaust Remembrance Day. Oh, gosh, yeah. Why didn't you say we watched Schindler's List? I don't think of that as a Liam Neeson movie. That's true. That's true. I don't either. Schindler's List. Yeah. It was just an eye, so it was an odd. It was an odd way for her to bury the lead about the movie that they watched in class. Yeah. We watched a Liam Neeson movie. I bet you felt like even, a real apple even if suggesting you said, the Lego movie. Even if you said Spielberg movie, like that, I could say, okay, uh, oh, Holocaust Remembers Day. Did you guys watch Schindler's List today? But that did not you, you, come you to my mind. You don't think of Schindler's List as a fill-in-the-blank movie, whether it be the director or the star no. or whatever. You think of it as the Holocaust movie, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, all right, we have a bunch going on throughout the uh, day today. We know that Michael Cohen, the president's personal lawyer, is in court today over the uh, raid the FBI performed on his offices, his uh, house, and his hotel room. But Stormy Daniels was also in the audience. When we get into uh, 1230 Swamp Watch, we'll talk more about exactly what's been going on. And a reminder, 1030 tomorrow, 
Former FBI Director James Comey is going to be on it with us. Wow. He has no idea what he's walking into, does he? Poor guy. Poor, poor man. When we come back, counterfeit makeup and why you should keep it away from your eyeballs. You'd be surprised how much bad stuff is in everyday makeup. <laughs> it's not all uh, it's not all fragrance and, and aloe. It's uh, animal feces and urine. We'll get into it. But hey, you look great. Amy King, what's Isn't up? Isn't that what's important? I totally okay. agree. Gary and Shannon, I've seen those blogs or those uh, scary articles about what's in your cosmetics and makeup, skincare stuff, a bunch of different uh, chemicals that have been linked to diseases and all sorts of horrible stuff. But I've never come across these items being included in the makeup. Uh, animal feces and urine. I've never seen that in in that in that literature on uh, how makeup and hair products can be harmful. Well, I the production. This has got to be a production issue, right? I mean, first of all, we're dealing with counterfeit cosmetics that were seized during a fashion district bust. Six people were arrested. I think fifteen other people caught were served with cease and desist orders to stop selling this stuff. Uh, Captain Mark Reina with the LAPD tweeted out a couple of pictures of what it is that they took into custody. It said the major task force hits 21 locations in the L.A. Fashion District net $700,000 in counterfeit cosmetics found to contain bacteria and human waste <laughs> in this line. The best price is not always the best deal. <laughs> Thank you, LAPD Captain Mark Reina. That is excellent advice. Uh, let's see. The brands, Anastasia, Mac, Kylie. I guess I don't Kylie recognize is... any one of them. Mac. You know Mac? I don't know. My wife has sometimes had this one. The Kylie na- is Kylie Jenner. Yes, that's naked. a Kylie Jenner. The naked yeah, brand stuff. They have stuff. good palettes. They have what? Good palettes. Okay. So I've seen that stuff in there, but I've never, it doesn't smell like poo. Mac is, uh, I don't think your wife would wear Mac. It's pretty heavy. Um, Pretty heavy. Industrial strength. As I slap my face to drive that point home. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Um, the cosmetics seized during a bust back in February were tested, and they found these high levels of bacteria, including the traces of animal feces and urine. Again, I'm not sure where in the production of even counterfeit cosmetics mm-hmm. you're going to have access to animal feces and urine. I'm not sure. How that works? I mean, because I know that even if you're even if you're faking it, if you're counterfeiting cosmetics, you still have to. You're what you're faking is the label, basically. So mm-hmm. you still have to make some sort of a cosmetic well, something to put in the box. Maybe it was a toner, you know, and they just peed and uh, mixed it with water or something. <sighs> well, how does urine get incorporated in any sort of cosmetic other than? I have a guess. Okay. It's probably better than mine. Yes, no. it is better than yours. Uh, if one of the complaints about cosmetics companies is that they test on animals, then they're just packaging the stuff immediately after testing it on animals. 
that's the only that's the only connection I can think of to have a direct connection between animal feces urine and the finished counterfeit product that shows up at the LA Fashion. But wouldn't you think that the sample batch would be different than the final batch? You mean the sample that they're testing on the animal? Yeah. I see what you're saying. So once again, Amy has driven a hole into my theory. I'm sorry. (laughs) Damn it, Amy. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. I didn't, um, having spent uh, a lot of time in Thailand, obviously, the past week and a half, uh, where they sell. Why are you laughing? (laughs) It just struck me as very funny. Well, because I've spent a fair (laughs) amount of time in Thailand. Well, because all they sell there are knockoffs. Knockoffs of everything. Everything is fake. You know, uh, Gap t-shirts are knockoffs. You know what I mean? Those probably don't have... You know, bacteria and feces, But I right? never have seen makeup. And I, you know, I've spent yeah. some time on Santee Alley. I'm not going to lie. I bought a fake purse there when I first moved to L.A. The problem with fake purses <laughs> is that you know it's fake, right? You know it's a fake purse. Can I, Why go, out trying... of, can I go out on a limb and say anything you buy there is fake? Yes. If it's got a big brand name on it? Yes. It's okay. all fake. All right. Um, but anyway... My time at Santee Alley or the millions of uh, crap shacks I walked through the last week, I've never seen makeup being sold, knockoff makeup. That sounds like a wonderful place to buy makeup, though, is that crap shack. Yeah, <laughs> crap shacks. <laughs> a large part of Thailand was, uh, or uh, Bangkok, I guess I should say, was people selling crap. Like people selling any, it was like everyone's garage sale. You know what those garage sales where they yeah. don't really have a lot to sell? You can tell they just kind of like put like two, like maybe there's a, a hanger there with like seven shirts on it and they've all been worn and it, it's just trying to make a buck, right? That's kind of the, the, the theory I got behind all the crap shacks, people trying to make money. God bless them. But selling anything. Selling anything. Um, but yeah, I, I've never seen knockoff makeup. But now we know, guys, not to try. Well, it. I've never. I we did a story last week about men wearing more makeup. I've not worn makeup since we were on Channel Eleven that time. And I, I told you I went to the gym across the street afterwards to try to waste time because yeah. I wasn't going to drive home in traffic from the west side. Uh, and I was one of about six dudes wearing makeup. I went out for drinks uh, one time years ago with a guy in television news, and he, uh, before we went inside, took a Mac, actually, uh, compact out of the glove box and put it on before going into a bar. Like, was not working, but was so used to wearing it from television that it was like, oh, yeah, this well, is just what I do now. That's what Brian said. He was talking about it being muscle memory for a lot of people yeah. on TV, a lot of dudes in TV. Yes, exactly. M- but muscle memory? I don't I know. Mean, it was just I think you get more used to it in it maybe. And maybe the expect you're you think that people expect to see you. Totally. And go, wow. I think I think you're right. You're older than you look on television. The same reason you buy a knockoff purse, you know? Really? It's all for what other people think. That's exactly right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into uh, all of what's trending some local and international stories that have been trending on uh, social media today and then more on uh, Shannon's crap shack tour that she took while she was in, you know, Spending a fair amount of time in Thailand. So you don't use that voice if you go to Thailand. Use that voice if you go to like, uh, you know. Estonia. No. Yes. It, let's just say it's an eye-opening. Uh, be thankful for every single thing you have in your life trip. So, like, I'll but- use this voice when you say um, we didn't want to stay in Paris. 
It's yeah. too overrun with tourists. Yes. Okay. That's Perfect. What that's what I'll do with that Perfect. One. Got it. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Oh, I, I keep meaning to tell you, you and Mo, a couple weeks ago, were talking about Ready Player One. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I think I want to read the book. I started the book yesterday, almost read the whole thing in one sitting. Really? It's, ex- it's excellent. I, and it's not even targeting me. No, you know, I'm going to say I'm you're getting, not anywhere close. I'm probably getting 45% of the references. And what I'm not, I'm Googling and everything, but it's, if you grew up when we grew up, it's speaking right to you. It's I think, awesome. I think there's a lot of it outside of the video game references and stuff like that yeah. that, that aren't targeted towards totally. you. Totally. You'll get all the music pop culture cues, stuff, all the pop culture and stuff. And it's an addictive read. I mean, even great. if you're not into the little winks, uh, it's a really good book. It's fun to it's fun to read. I watched uh, Blockers last night. Oh, I want to see that. Or do I? <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. It was much more tame than I thought it was going to be and much more... Um, I don't know what the right word, female empowering. Oh, it was, oh that's it not was, what I get from the trailer. Well, it's a very different look than an 80s version of that same movie. Okay. It would have been driven by the dudes. Like, it would have been yeah. totally driven. And despite its R rating, not one boob. Huh. And I mean, there were... there there were. Uh, I'm sorry about that. No, no, I'm not saying that there was not... I'm just <laughs> saying that there were... I was going into it expecting that there was going to be... There was dude. Flaccid target. There was dude nudity. Uh-huh. Or as we call it in around our house, never mind. What do you call it? <laughs> what else is going on? I'm not pressing the button until you Come tell on! us. Yeah, tell us. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was dude nudity. I'll just okay. say that. There was dude nudity. All right. Time for <laughs> What's Happening. <laughs> or as we call it in my house. It's my bedroom. I can walk around naked if I want to. Sorry. That's what you call it at your house? Yeah. It's kind of wordy. Yeah. But I thought it was going to be a one, maybe two word, maybe a hyphenated situation. There, there are a lot of stories locally that we have uh, been tracking. This one has been one of the unfortunate ones that has not come to a conclusion, it appears, until today. Family of four from Valencia driving back down through Northern California on their way back home from Portland, apparently crashed into the Eagle River up in Leggett, way up in the uh, Mendocino County area. And again, if this, if you remember, it was the Friday that everything was raining so hard in Northern California where they were getting six to eight inches of rain in certain points. That's that day. They were going through some of the heaviest rain when across highway i think it's highway 101 at the at that time across the eel river that they flipped off and went into the river they have now found it looks like the car uh under about four to six feet of water so there was a prison riot in a south carolina maximum security prison overnight these were inmates that were serving anywhere from 10 years to life in prison crimes ranging from murder to traffic and crack um it looks like This was pretty gruesome. Um, An inmate who saw the riot said that he saw bodies stacking up on each other and uh, correctional officers 
just kind of uh, taking a hands-off approach. Seven inmates killed, 17 others seriously injured. They fought uninterrupted, reportedly for more than seven hours. Yeah, because they're saying the fight started at about 7 o'clock last night, South Carolina time, and wasn't declared secure. The prison itself wasn't declared secure until almost 3 o'clock this morning. They say that they were fighting over money and territory. So the same things that, that cause fights outside outside of prison. Um, in Boston today, Patriots Day, and today a woman from Michigan was the first woman to win the 122nd Boston Marathon. I thought first, she was from first, San Diego. First American woman, uh, Desiree Linden of Washington, Michigan. I guess she she runs in San Diego. I don't know. Isn't that, it, it is weird that it lists both of those. Well, Let's take credit for her. Okay. She's from California. She's from here. <laughs> She's right in this studio. First American woman to win the race since 1985. And, man, if you want to feel slow, she did her 26.2 in two hours, 39 minutes, and 54 seconds. I think that's what... not Not Olympic record time, but 239.54 makes me tired thinking about it. I think this is what money did his uh, marathon in. <laughs> I do not think that is the case. He's fast. He'd be a lot faster than you and me, but he didn't do it in 239. Justin Bieber put on his bird shirt before he broke up a fight at Coachella. Get it, Biebs! Mm. He allegedly punches a guy in the face and threw him against a wall because this guy had had grabbed a woman by the throat at a party at Coachella. Uh, Amy was at Coachella. Did you witness any of this? I don't think Amy's even listening. Oh, she's not listening. She's she's chatting with somebody what on the she, phone. Who is she talking to? Probably Justin Bieber. Oh, he was talking oh, to she... <laughs> talking to some people at a uh, when a guy walked in to this party, spots this woman and goes ballistic. Sources at the party said he appeared to be on drugs. Looked as if the woman may have been his ex girlfriend. Just by the way they were talking to each other, the guy suddenly grabs her by the throat and wouldn't let go. Justin and one of Justin's friends start screaming at the guy to let her go, but he only screams back, "Go f yourself." Mm. And at at that point, Justin hits him in the face and pushes him up against the wall, and the woman breaks free. Uh, you would do that, right? Well, it it's worth pointing out Justin had friends there. Patrick Schwarzenegger being one of them. Oh, because Patrick Schwarzenegger is going to be the guy that you want as your wingman as well, you go into a potential fight. If we're at a party and oh, I'm by per, myself, pretty boy McGee over there. I'm per, I'm by myself, yeah, not wearing a bird shirt. Meh. Okay. But if I'm there and like Blake and Nick. Right. And Petros and Money and Tim Cates. Okay. And wait. Brett from Sales. I'm going to pull over the Oscar. car really quick. So far you've listed and one helpful Neil person and that's Petros. Yeah. Mo. I was just going to say, go. Neil, I don't Mo, even think Petros and, is, and Brian, is helpful. Tim Cates isn't hitting anybody. If all of those people are there, then, I got, I, then I got you. Yeah, I think Nick this. could really cause some damage. Yeah, I could pack a wallop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here. Nick, how tall are you, Nick? Show me that, I'm six two. How tall Show me that private? fist, Nick. Six two. I, I would have this fist swinging up here, you just, and then you just try, and then boom. This I mean, fist. he's like Paul Bunyan in there. Paul Bunyan. If I had one wingman in my corner, I would take Nick. Yeah. I would not take Blake. That's okay. Thank you. I don't no. want to fight. I know you don't, honey. <laughs> you and me, you we, could, we could take some people down. I don't want that responsibility. I know you don't, honey. Hey, and if you're worried about homeless people in the parks next to you, don't worry. They can order Domino's now. Domino's is ramping up its food delivery 
We're adding online ordering for more than 150,000 new delivery hotspots at parks, beaches, and other destinations that do not have traditional addresses. I'm raising my hand. Is this? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Is this for the unsheltered peoples? It's probably. Are we going to have a celebrities ordering pizzas for Skid Row now? Is this going to be a thing? If they want to put their money, is where this going to be the Domino's are. Pizza Challenge? Yep. Where they they Instagram themselves ordering Domino's pizza for homeless, and then that's like their activism for the year. You can pay for it online, pay for it with your card, and then see when it gets delivered because of the new Domino's ordering app that they've got. It's all right there. Coming back, stories from the long wars in Southeast Asia. Mm, or just how our guide pulled a gun on us. <laughs> and how... Al- alternately titled... <laughs> The Crap Shack Tour. Uh, Shannon's going to tell us about her trip to uh, to Thailand. We'll get into Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour as well. And your chance to win $1,000 coming up, just like uh, Lupe and Victorville won $1,000. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. You got some wisdom teeth problems. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. I'll tell you how to win in just a few minutes. Amy King, are you still talking to Bieber? No, I'm done with Bieber. Okay, good. I got no Shannon. You want to get give that away? Not I, your not your lunch. The other stuff. Oh, under the sandwich? Oh yeah. my gosh, where did that come from? That's a thousand dollars. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword luck to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's luck to two hundred two hundred. Got to turn that mic on too. You got to answer that phone. <laughs> Uh, even if it's from a number you don't recognize, because they will call you if you win. They will call you on your phone. But if you don't win or you don't answer, your next chance to win is going to be next hour. You have a chance to win, in fact, $1,000 an hour from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show at 7 o'clock tonight, Monday through Friday, as a matter of fact. So how was your trip? It was good. The flights, uh, the aforementioned flights, 11 hours and then six hours all in one day, uh, essentially traveling for 24 hours straight. I would not recommend that. But you spent time uh, in the capital city. We were in Bangkok for five or six days. I don't know. You lose time. You lose time. Uh, you you would post pictures, though, on um, of you on a boat. Well, little little boats, almost like a canal. Well, that's their floating market. So Bangkok, big, huge city. You can't even wrap your arms around it. In terms of orienting yourself, you can't really use a different term. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's racist. Yes. Um, Bangkok, Oriental City. Isn't that how the uh, the song goes? Oh, we can't say that anymore. We're not saying that either. Right. Okay. Um, Anyway, it's it's just. It's just a beast of a town. It's it, we stayed in old the oldest part of town, which is Chinatown. Really dirty, a lot of poverty. I mean, people trying to make money any way they can. You know, whether it's making food on these little storefronts that are probably the size of like a single car garage. You know, there's one guy who's um, whipping up whatever in a, in a walk. You know, underneath an open flame, and you, and, and the next one is a, a woman cutting a guy's hair. Right. And there's just like a small mirror. It's a lot of poverty. It's one of those trips where you feel so God darn lucky that you were born here. 
and that this is where you live. You know, I, I, I was, I came back, I had a shower. I was thankful for the bath mat. I was like, I love you, bath mat. I love that I don't have to throw my toilet paper into the You know, it's, the it's one of those vacations where you can't use the running water to brush your teeth. Right. Okay. Um, but it, it was great. Bangkok was great. We got out of the city. We went to the floating markets, which is pretty touristy. But you get in these little canoes and you go in these channels and it's long tail boats with a motor on the back. And people are trying to sell you their wares and things like that. Now, I am not a shopper. I don't find joy in shopping. Uh, it's not something That's I like very to do. For, that. Um, for the what? For, for the, the. Go on. Uh, my husband too. Not a big shopper. So uh, a lot of people that told us, "Oh, we love Thailand." Big shoppers, right? The shopping is revolves a, a lot around shopping. Okay. Ugh. It's very hot there. It was like ninety degrees. The humidity is insane. You know, you you don't put makeup on. You don't touch your hair. You just put your hair in a ponytail or whatever just so you know gary thanks <laughs> i'll um, probably be the one getting the haircut in the street stall but go on yeah you would be that guy <laughs> the dollar goes so far you know you you get dinner on the street from the food carts um on the street there and it would be you know two dollars and you get a big thing of pad thai and chicken or whatever it's insane how far the dollar goes you find yourself also you're haggling everywhere you know, you're at the floating market and you're going to buy a bowl made out of a coconut shell that somebody's hand painted. And they say they want, uh, you know, uh, you know, a thousand baht or whatever. And you find yourself haggling over what ends up being like a dollar or 33 cents. You, I, I was haggling, down I was haggling over a ferry ticket ride. And I found out after I was haggling that I was literally haggling over 33 cents. And I'd spent about. <laughs> eight or nine minutes haggling but wasn't it worth it i love it i think it's <laughs> yeah. so much fun I, to I, do i'm not a bargainer but after this trip i was it was the first time that i bargained anywhere because i don't know I, I get uncomfortable trying to get something for cheaper or something and i got i broke out of that because we don't expect that right we expect whatever price we see on our price yeah. tag that should be that should cover the cost of manufacturing and yeah. transportation and cover some overhead but they're not going to gouge you right Whereas everywhere else in the yeah. world, there's an expectation that there's a you don't lot take the first price, yeah, and they're not going to sell it to you if they lose money on it. Um, wine, guys. Yes, it was a Chardonnay wasteland desert. Oh, I would imagine it, that would be hard to come by. Oh yeah. So uh, I I developed a taste for this beer. It's uh, as I thought it was called the first half of the trip or three quarters of the trip. Chang beer, delicious beer. Okay. It's like a Coors Light, but with a little bit more flavor. Um, and so we're ordering. My husband and I are both loving this Chang beer. And we're just like, oh, yeah, we'll have two Changs, two Changs. And we're ordering this. Oh, it's Chang time. Chang. And three quarters of the trip through, we're talking to a guy out in uh, Phong Na Bay there. And he says, no, 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 not Chang. That means essentially you want somebody to get broken, destroyed, like F you. It's Chong. <laughs> so, so for the first, for the, the first for, half, we're asking stories for of two, two Americans F-U rolling beers. around. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one of our greatest hits was when we were trying to find the, like, sex area, the sex street. It's called Pat Pong. Okay. Just because it's like uh, it's, they have, like, a night market, and then it's a couple streets. And uh, Blake's mom told me to go. 
And, <laughs> and Pammy said that place is awesome. Yeah. And so like you just want to you want to get a glimpse of, you know, be a voyeur of like all the, of the but red light district stuff. Kind I mean, of, like, but it wasn't like that at all. Don't they? Did they hand out a menu to you? Like my mom no, said there was I did menus. see menus of different massages and things. We got there kind of early in the night because I didn't want to get there too late. Um <laughs> And uh, we walked along, and this one woman comes walking down. I mean, a why knockout. Why did you use finger quotes around? Because I don't know if we don't know if she's a woman or not. Okay. Um, but she was beautiful. This skinny, Thai, gorgeous woman in this beautiful white, like sheath dress, and she was looking at my husband, like he was a turkey leg. Yeah, and she was, you know, she was the fat hungry. bastard. All right. <laughs> I mean, it was the biggest uh, screw me eyes I've ever seen in my life. Like she was clearly on the hunt for a customer. I'd never seen a prostitute, if that's what she or he was, um, was that close. No, 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 no. Um, I would imagine then if she's walking around the streets like that, there's probably somebody very close to her satellite distance away. They would help broker whatever yes, deal needed exactly. To but we were on our way there. We were trying to figure out the metro, which we did. But from the metro stop, how to get to the, the Pat Pong. And so I'm asking everyone, Pat Pong, Pat Pong, where's Pat Pong? And, and it didn't hit me until I got there that I'm asking everybody on the street, you know, where's the sex area? Right. Take me to the sex area. This way to the sex area. Uh, and then, I'm sure, they get a lot of the, leggy blondes asking that. The final story <laughs> is when we took a hike in Khao Yai National Park, which is beautiful, and you you got to hire a guide there because there really is no where we're going. There are no trails. Right. You know, you're just going into the rainforest jungle, and we are in the rainforest jungle. We hadn't seen any other hikers. It's just us and a guy named Cho, and he doesn't speak English. And all of a sudden, Cho, and we're just in dense jungle forest. All of a sudden, Joe, Cho whips out a gun from his backpack, turns around, holding it. It's a nine millimeter. And I look at my husband like, what the? F-? It ends now. Right. Like, great. We're going to die in a jungle in Thailand. Uh, and it was just because the guide had thought that he had smelled a bear. And he was worried that the <laughs> bear would have a, a baby. And so it was for safety. All right. Welcome back. Thank you. Gary and Shannon will continue getting into Swamp Watch stuff when we come back. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon. Hey, in a few minutes, Lana Zak is going to join us. We're going to talk about some new economic sanctions that have been announced against Russia as a result of this ongoing conflict in Syria. When we left on Friday, we were still waiting for some sort of military action. And lo and behold, that's when it happened was was Friday afternoon, our time, when we dropped uh, 120 or so cruise missiles onto uh, some better parts of Syria. And blew up basically their uh, their ability to uh, produce chemical weapons. So we'll talk about that. Um, we now know that Michael Cohen's mystery client is Sean Hannity. Uh, why that matters, eh, it's it's hard to say. But Michael Cohen was ordered to disclose the name in a court hearing today. 
They are in court, Michael Cohen being the president's personal attorney as well, longtime personal attorney. Um, there was a, a a hearing today. They're trying to figure out exactly what things the prosecutors can look at when it comes to Michael Cohen's legal papers, because a lot of them will involve communications between he and his clients that are privileged, that uh, that cannot be used in court. So they've got some prosecutors, investigators going in and looking at everything, the dirty team, and going through all the stuff that could be attorney-client privilege, and then passing on the stuff that does not follow the uh, under or does not fall under that umbrella to the clean team, the stuff that could be used in court. Now, lawyers for Michael Cohen, a lawyer's lawyer, uh, said that this unnamed client had told Michael Cohen, "Don't use my name," and. The lawyers had argued that he had a duty not to disclose it because it was a request from his client. They also said that if his clients were publicly revealed, it would likely be embarrassing or even detrimental to the client. Now, the judge said, I don't give a damn. you got to tell me who that is. And it turns out that it is Sean Hannity. Sean Again, Hannity uh, said in a statement to the Wall Street Journal, "You know, we've been friends for a long time, he and Cohen, and that he has sought legal advice from Michael. Now, why did I... I mean, it's it's gross to me that you've got someone that close to a president. I mean, that close that in terms of your your place. I mean, Sean Hannity is a legal, not a legal commentator. He's a he's a commentator. He's not a journalist. He's a commentator. So he's going to take what goes on in the news and he's going to talk about it. But and it should be known that when you're going to listen to Sean Hannity, that's how that's going to taint potentially his opinions about whatever's going on. So it's, but it's not weird to me that a guy like that is going to have a high profile attorney, like a, the likes of Michael Cohen. No, by the way, here it is again, defense lawyers claim, by the way, page two, top of the paragraph right here, second paragraph, defense lawyers claim that they, not a special taint team will be involved in the clay. They got to stop calling it that. There's no reason to start, uh, Labeling things uh, taint. Well, the big news overnight, uh, last night into this morning, was James Comey. And this big five-hour sit-down James Comey did with ABC News chief anchors George Stephanopoulos, who apparently has sex with his wife a lot, according to her book transcripts. But Comey talked with George about a range of issues, uh, all circling around the president. And... He talks about the first time that James Comey met Trump in person. And Comey said, I'm about to meet someone who doesn't know me, who's just been elected president of the United States. And from watching him on the campaign, he could be volatile. And I was about to ask him about allegations he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow. And the Russians taped it and have leverage on him. He was worried about what kind of reaction Trump would have to that kind of conversation topic. Upon that first meeting, he also talks about what Trump looked like, which was odd. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the program. Comey telling George Stephanopoulos that Trump had impressively coiffed hair. It looked to be all his. I stared at it pretty closely, and my reaction was it must take a lot of time in the morning. His tie was too long. He looked slightly orange up close with small white half moons under his eyes, which I assume are from tanning goggles. Now, everything he says after that is, for lack of a better term, kind of tainted. 
because he's being catty with his appearance and all this. And like you said earlier, the low blow, low hanging fruit SNL orange guy jokes. He went on to talk about how Trump's first question to him was to confirm that the Russians had no impact on the election and how the Trump team would handle the PR nightmare that was this story and how James Comey thought that was so odd. Why would you ask the FBI director for his opinion on how to handle your PR mess? You know, that was just, and Comey said it kind of felt like he, he, the way he remembered mob bosses talking about the whole family being involved with all the business. And I think it's, it's just a, It goes to how unprepared this guy was to be the president, or I should say how unprepared he was to play the game of being the president. There are certain things that you would never, as the president of the United States, ask of the director of the FBI, one of them being loyalty. That's not what his job is. I I think you're right. I don't think he knew that he wasn't supposed to do that. I don't think he spent any time paying attention to the decorum that should be the White House office. I think he assumed that once he got elected— whether he expected it or not, once he got elected, everybody was going to join behind him well, and line up behind him. And that's that's first of all, that's never been the case. And especially with a with a candidate, him or Hillary Clinton, with candidates that were so polarizing as they were, no one they were never going to walk into that office, never be inaugurated on January 20th and then go, oh, you're right. The he slash she's the president. Let's just do what they say. If you ever spend any time watching The Apprentice, it's absolutely run like a mafia family with at the right hand, the son and at the left hand, the daughter and them making decisions on who to fire. And it's all about loyalty and who's going to make everyone look good. So for him to take that attitude and mindset, the way he's done business for decades into the White House is is not inconceivable. Um, Comey also and. We're supposed to talk. We're interviewing James Comey tomorrow at 1030. So this is that's going to be fun. I also thought it was kind of distasteful um, when he talked about the dossier, right, the steel dossier. And Comey was talking about when he met with Trump and uh, about telling him about this. And Comey says he was as graphic as he needed to be in describing the claims, noting how he didn't get quote unquote, into the business about people peeing on each other. And then he goes on to say in the interview as well, I honestly never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the current president of the United States was with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow. Like he kept repeating the peeing on. It it seemed a little gratuitous as I was reading through the transcripts. Yeah, he's perseverating on some things that don't need to be right. He can ignore them or at least the salacious stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the sexy parts, the stuff that, you know, you wouldn't think a former FBI director would kind of. Well, and that may be a question is how much of that was him prompted or, or yeah, how much it was prompted, yeah. how much of it was edited. Yeah. Did the producers tell you to go into great length about the president's appearance or <laughs> did you find that that was actually important or noteworthy? I don't know. Uh, Nikki Haley has indicated some new economic sanctions will be announced against Russia. We'll be talking about that when we come back to Swamp Watch right after this. Gary and Shannon. Hey, coming up after Amy's news at the top of the hour, we're going to get details about that family 
that went missing. The family from Santa Clarita, well, the bodies have been found. We're going to get all the latest about what happened and the body recovery up in Northern California. Well, we're talking about uh, Swamp Watch and the stuff that's going on in D.C. A lot of uh, busy meetings took place uh, over the last week, actually, in dealing with Syria. And, of course, since our cruise missiles went in late uh, Friday night, our time, into Syria. Uh, Lana Zak is joining us to talk about what's going on now when it, in terms of the potential for sanctions against Russia in all of this. Lana, how are you? I'm great. It's good to be with you, Gary and Shannon. So uh, over the weekend, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said that there were going to be some fresh sanctions announced against Russia. She said that there would absolutely... Uh-oh, see what happens when you say Russia? Mm. The, the Russians, they infiltrate and they, they cut phone lines? How they did that. Lana, are you back? We're going to need a welfare check. Blink twice if you need us. Well, we'll drop we'll drop her and uh, maybe get her back here in just okay. a second. Um, one of the stories that we were uh, covering last week when Brian Suits was sitting in was the discussion of how it is. We, by the way, there were 59 cruise missiles that were launched last year in April mm-hmm. when uh, the president struck the first time after the chemical attack. There were, I think, twice as many, 108 or 112, something like that, this time around on Friday night between United States, France, and Great Britain. It cannot be lost on anyone that we have not heard of one loss of any Russian military member there. Well, I do believe that we are... We call Russia yeah. before we do anything. Right. Hey, where are you guys at? All right, well, we, we got to do something. It's going to look bad if we don't do something. So we're going to strike some of the targets here. Just make sure your guys are out of there. Oh, yeah, and we won't fly through that zone where your planes are kind of thing. It's exactly what happened. So it's so for them to come out and, you know, in uh, the deepest Russian accent, say something like, well, This is terrible. I can't believe you do this to us. This horrible act of aggression. You knew it was coming. You for for years now have supported the wrong side on this, and you've continued to allow this guy to make chemical weapons and, most importantly, to use chemical weapons. So you can't just expect us to sit by and do nothing when we've already said and we've already shown you that A equals B, that you do this, we will do this in retaliation for it. So uh, it's, it's just a, a frustrating struggle, I think, to see this this – argument this language go back and forth between the united states and russia and russia gets to stand out there on the uh, international stage and say i never would yeah i am shocked it's just everyone just selling a different story yeah all right lana's back let's see if we can get sorry about that we knew that um either the nsa or the kgb somebody was listening in you said russia and then you cut out and the line went dead. Isn't that just scary? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how much you you heard of, uh, of what I was saying before we were cut off, but uh, fundamentally the question right now in Washington is whether or not there will be new sanctions announced against Russia. The U.N. Secretary Nikki, or U.N. Uh, Ambassador Nikki Haley said that there absolutely would be. She said that they were going to be announced today if they hadn't already been done so. If, uh, and uh, what we heard, though, from the White House was, was – a much more tepid response that they're only considering sanctions uh, and that those uh, will be something that they'll decide upon in the future. Well, what what more can be done? I mean, it seems like we've had this ongoing relationship where we ratchet down sanctions. It doesn't do anything to change behaviors. Uh, Do we still have more? Is there more meat on this bone when it comes to sanctions? Well, in the case 
of these particular sanctions, what Haley was saying was that it would go after the companies that specifically had a hand in propping up the Assad regime and allowed them to support this chemical weapons attack um, that uh, that is believed to have taken place. Um, and so in that, it, it would be much more targeted than anything else that we have seen or, or talked about when it comes to Russian sanctions. But again, we find ourselves in this weird position with President Trump uh, at one point going hard against Russia and then it appearing to back off. And so it is unclear right now exactly what uh, what the Trump administration intends to do. And in fact, the Washington Post is now reporting that President Trump is trying to put the brakes on, on any new sanctions. Yeah, it's just uh, interesting because it was just a couple weeks ago, end of March, uh, I believe, when you know the president's on the phone with Putin congratulating him on the uh, sham election victory and saying, hey, maybe we'll have a meeting at the White House, um, right. and has gone on the record saying that he thinks a better relationship between the United States and Russia would be equally advantageous to, to both countries, and, and then now all of this. So. Right, and, 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 you know, Shannon, what's also interesting, too, is that then he makes a big point of saying that nobody has been tougher on Russia than he has, and uh, and then tries to outline all the ways in which he has uh, has really tried to hold Russia to account. So, uh, and, and at some point, um, it it becomes very confusing, I think, to the American public and also to members of Congress who are trying to figure out what exactly is the U.S. strategy, not only in Syria, but when it comes to Russia and how uh, those two interact, because. There is certainly a feeling here on Capitol Hill that, that the only way that Bashar al-Assad is still in power in Syria is because of support from Russia, and that that's something that is playing out behind the scenes almost uh, as a proxy war when, we, when we're talking about Russian sanctions. Lana, thank you. Thank you so much. Sorry about the text. <laughs> it's not your flag. fault. It's Russia's it's fault. Russia's fault. It's very clear. All right. <laughs> uh, when we come back. An update on the story from up in the Santa Clarita Valley, the family that was lost in the Eel River. Uh, It looks like they've found uh, almost everyone, uh, and the end is what we were expecting but weren't hoping for. That's next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, man, I don't know what's going on with the markets. Oh, I was expecting on Friday, once those uh, missiles were launched into Syria, that we were going to see some some trepidation in the markets. Well, I think everyone thought it was going to be like a quick thing, a quick deal, quick strikes, like maybe last the weekend, and then we're done with that. It was, it was one night. I yeah. mean, that was it. Yeah. So the Dow is up 213 points for the day. S&P 500 up 21. NASDAQ is up 49 and we'll see. I mean, the S&P 500 is back in positive territory for 2018. Hey, briefly, uh, we have all heard the news about Barbara Bush at 92. She is now just getting comfort at home, uh, uh-huh. comfort care, not going to go back to the hospital for her health issues that she's that she's having. Well, CBS News, CBSNews.com put up an article yesterday afternoon. Mm, that they did she not had, do an obituary. They did. did. Ugh. Barbara Bush Bush, the witty, gregarious matriarch of a political dynasty that blah, 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 blah. She was 92. A Bush family spokesman said Bush passed away peacefully in her home, surrounded by loved ones. Oh, God. Now, how would they know that that's what happened? (laughs) Maybe she wasn't surrounded by loved ones. That is unfortunate. But again, I mean, to pull the curtain back a little bit, a lot of these major news organizations like this have them They have to have them ready to go. So that they can claim to be the first when 
when the former first lady goes. Again, Barbara Bush has not passed away. Unless you work at CBS, then she has. Every uh, every news outlet has that obit ready to go. Yeah, but not all of them posted it yesterday. Right. <laughs> Just CBS. Alex Stone from ABC News joins us now. <laughs> Alex would never make a mistake like that. We try not to. It uh, Unfortunately, it's happened uh, to every news organization, yeah, every, but, but we try not to. Everyone's got stories like that. Yeah. Uh, KFI's never done that. No. We've never done that. No. Uh, They're hey. not pre-written at KFI, are they? That's true. That's true, too. We would have ad-libbed it if we were to. Uh, So one of the stories that we have followed for the last week and a half is the story of this family from up in the Santa Clarita area that had driven up to Portland, was on their way back home, and simply disappeared, it it appeared, for some time uh, before there was evidence that maybe they lost control of their vehicle and went into the Eel River. What's going on with this, Alex? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, the outcome of this is uh, exactly what it looked like it was going to be when we knew that they had started to find vehicle parts that match the family's SUV last week. Well, today the Mendocino County Sheriff's Department is saying that they have found the vehicle. It was uh, in sediment. A team uh, on a a boat, a search team, smelled gas uh, about a half a mile downstream from where the crash happened. They found the vehicle. They have found inside the vehicle two of the family members, the 42-year-old father, the 9-year-old daughter. They found a body last week. That is the the 38-year-old mother. Still missing is the body of the the 12-year-old boy. But they believe that this was an accident, that they pulled over to the side of the road uh, as they were on the road trip. They got too far to the side, slipped off the side, and went in the river. They lost contact, they said, or the last contact was uh, was Thursday before um, before the big rainstorm actually rolled in. They when they were driving through Northern California, that was when a massive storm was was going through. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were reported missing on April eighth. They were expected to arrive uh, a couple of days before that uh, at a home in San Jose. They were coming back down from doing the Oregon Trail. They were, according to to neighbors teaching the kids about the Oregon Trail and the the past, and then had decided, okay, on the way back down, they were going to stop at several different national uh, park locations and uh, different scenic stops along the way, and then make a stop at a family member's home in San Jose, then return to Valencia. Well, they didn't appear at the home in San Jose, so the, the missing persons report went out on April 8th. Nobody knew where they were. Uh, they knew generally where they had last been seen based on cell phone pings off the uh, cell towers and, and where family members knew they were going to go. But uh, it came down to uh, people who were driving uh, along the same path that they were on who had seen a vehicle go over the side, but they didn't know necessarily who was in that vehicle. They, it, was, it was raining. They, it was uh, tough conditions. But uh, people, witnesses who were there, said that they had seen an SUV slip off the side, that it seemed to go slowly, that it appeared to be an accident, that uh, they saw them get too close to the side, and slowly that SUV went down. Uh, those witnesses got out. They were calling for, hey, can anybody hear me? The the river was going, according to the sheriff in Mendocino County, at 14 miles an hour at its slowest point at that, at that time, which is a lot of force from the river. Uh, and they think that the vehicle was very quickly swept down river, uh, yes. going northbound uh, for the, the Eel River in, in Mendocino County. Uh, there was hope that somehow they had gotten out of the vehicle. Somehow they were able to, to swim to the side. But uh, for a couple of days, nobody knew who was in that vehicle until – 
the CHP, Mendocino County, they were able to, to find missing persons reports. The one out of Valencia popped up. The SUV seemed like what witnesses were describing. They knew the family had been in the area. And then once the, the pieces of the vehicle started showing up that they were able to recover, they knew that that, that was their vehicle. But there was still that hope, that slim bit of hope that they were going to find that they were able to, to survive somehow. But it, it, it seemed like it was impossible. And, and now we find out it was. Terrifying final moments, I bet you could imagine. I don't know how you survive that. Car goes over and you're immediately swept up in, in the river, the fast-moving river. I mean, I don't know how, you know, I know you're supposed to try and knock the windows out, but if the car's submerged, I don't know how you survive that. Well, you don't. And unfortunately, in this case, they couldn't. And when the river is going uh, that fast, they said in the one day that it stopped raining, it came down 12 to 14 feet. That shows you how high the river was in one day after the rain, it could go down that far. There was no way they could have survived. And and to think that, you know, we've all driven on roads for whatever reason that they were pulling over on a little uh, pullover spot on an outlook that they pulled over and the ground gave way right there and slowly the vehicle went over and then it slid down the embankment and, and right into the river. Uh, and all of this going on while still the search is on for members of the Hart family, also in Mendocino County. That was the family of eight that now the Mendocino County Sheriff's Department and the CHP believe that that, that one was intentional several weeks ago, uh, going off a, a cliff and down into the, the Pacific Ocean. They still have not found three of those kids. They did find one body, but that body has not been identified yet. And the, the driver in that case, Jennifer Hart, uh, they let us know on Friday her blood alcohol level was uh, 0.12, I believe, but she was above the legal limit that she was drunk when this happened and that others in the car had high amounts of the ingredient in Benadryl in them, so a sedative, uh, and nobody in the vehicle had uh, had uh, any sort of seatbelt on. Uh, they think that was completely intentional, but all to be going on in Mendocino County. You have this many family members who have gone missing or killed, and, and the county sheriff and the coroner, they say they've never seen anything like this before in their county. All right, Alex, thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there with the latest on what's going on this family that's been missing. Uh, that looks like they have recovered almost all of them. Uh, they're still looking for the body of the 12-year-old son in that family. All right, uh, when we come back, we're going to get into some very, very weird Monday murder mystery stories. True crime Monday. The stories, uh, the story of a burn victim who was allowed to testify at her own murder trial after she died. We'll tell you how that went down. Also, the nationwide hunt for a grandmother accused of killing her husband, then a lookalike that she murdered to get her ID information. And a spoonful of sugar to help the murder go down. We got $1,000 for you to win, brought to you by Cunning Dental. You got nasty wisdom teeth problem? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Gary, Gary and Shannon. Shannon. That's us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shannon, how about $1,000 for you? You're shot at $1,000 now. 
Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. Gotta answer that phone, though. If you win, you I don't know what it is. If you win, they will call you. Um, but if for some reason you don't win, which makes no sense, uh, you have a chance next hour during the John and Ken show. In fact, all the way through the first hour of the Conway show, we're giving away $1,000 an hour here on KFI. Don't show me pictures that are going to upset me like that right before the, the break. All right. True Crime Monday kicks off with this story that Nick found us. This is about a grandmother that authorities are now scrambling to find her. A nationwide hunt, they say. This woman is uh, a big woman, or bigger woman. She's 5'5", about 165, Lois Rice of Blooming Prairie, Minnesota. They say she has brown eyes, blonde hair, and that she killed her husband, David, in Minnesota last month and has taken off on the run across the country. They believe that she stopped in Florida to find her lookalike. So that is that where is that where everybody's lookalike is in Florida? Is in Florida, possibly. Like if you went there, you would find the the one who looks like you. Possibly. I think I saw her in that uh, Willem Dafoe movie, Florida Project. No. You want me to talk about where it's I found It's been a while. It's been a while. I've had, it's been two weeks. I haven't been able to You haven't to been able to make like fun. That. Did you make fun of anyone? That's, no. Well, I was, well it was God, like Brian no. Suits. What are you no. going to do? No, I'm not going to make fun of people. Yeah. Well, you want to get in another shot? Before the end of the show, yes, but okay. not yet. Not right now. You know, maybe talk about how I gained weight on my vacation or something. How big? Something of that nature. <laughs> <clears throat> She went to Florida, befriended this woman because the woman looked like her, and then she killed her, allegedly, to steal her identification. Lois Rice. Prosecutors, investigators say this is a new one. This is a new one. One of the guys that works at the sheriff's office in in Florida there says, this is the first time in my career that I've seen Someone steals someone's identity and target them for the way they look in order to murder them. Investigators say they've got this on video. They've got video that shows Lois, I love that her name's Lois, at this woman's condo. And that after killing her, Lois took this woman's credit cards, license, and stole her white Acura. Since then, the Acura has been spotted in Louisiana and Texas. Now... To give you an idea, I tried to figure this out. You you joked that this woman looked like you. That's not. I mean, after many after a trip to the county fair, I, I believe is what I said, and a trip to county jail. I mean, she's a rough looking lady. Well, she's been... by the time I'm uh, what is she fifty nine? Yeah. By the time I'm fifty nine, that's a that's a lot of county fairs from here until then. I guess that's true. You know what I mean? Uh, but she looks like, and I, I'm in terms of. Just to put the picture in your head, Anne Burrell. You remember the the cook? She's on she's on all the cooking shows. She's a cook like cooking channel gal. Yeah, Anne Burrell. She's yeah, like bit. she's like the female Guy Fieri. Yeah, Do you know what I'm talking about. Bright white blonde hair, 
that's always done like crazy. Yeah. Imagine her, imagine Amberell with her hair slicked back. That's who this, and I can't tell in this picture if that's a ponytail or if it's just slicked back. It could be a French braid. It could also be a French braid or even two. You can't tell from that picture. Um, that is a fantastic story. I mean, not in a positive way. See why? See, that's fantastic so story, sexist though. of you. If we were doing a story about a man who had killed his wife and then gone to Florida to find a man who looked like him and killed him for his identification, you wouldn't say it was fantastic. Oh, but not since it was because a lady did it. It's suddenly a great story. But I could say spectacular without it being a positive thing. This is like it's a spectacle. This is a. That's why we're talking about it. This, they're still looking for this yeah, person. Yeah, but your eyes kind of lit up with the idea of this murderous woman. You know who she kind of looks like is um, Ursula from from Under the Sea. From Little Mermaid? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Wouldn't too. you think I'm a girl, a girl who has everything? That's all you did? Yeah. the only reason you did that is yeah. so Blake would play that? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Because you know what? what? You haven't been able to take a shot at me in 10 days, and I haven't been able to hear you sing a Disney classic. Um, investigators believe that uh, that the woman in Florida was probably killed with the same firearm used to murder the, the dude. So they're looking for the same thing. They're not aware of any connection, though, between the woman that was killed and the woman who killed her, other than the fact that they look alike. That's the weirdest part about this. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes into town from out of state and, you know, takes you to an Applebee's or something, they were seen eating together somewhere. Yeah, I saw that earlier. They were found uh, looking, not looking, they were found laughing with the woman uh, that she was suspected of murdering later on. So if somebody befriends you, if somebody befriends you, takes you to a brewery and kind of looks like you, be on guard. Blake wanted to take me to a brewery. He just said the other day. They were at the Smokin' Oyster Brewery in Fort Myers. That sounds like a good time. Smokin' Oysters? Oysters, beer. Oysters? Yeah. Oysters, oysters are delicious. The second part of that would oyster beer. Wouldn't matter because it's disgusting. Oysters, oysters are great. You just I'm have pretty to, certain I've had an you oyster have to go beer. To the right, you have to get the right oysters. No. Have you ever been out to Marshall? You know where Marshall is, right? Like out there, Point Reyes? No. Oh. I mean, I know where it is, but no, I've never been out there. Great oysters. Thanks. I'll eat my own snot. I don't need the sea snot. You put a little, um, put a little lemon in mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Maybe a little, a little hot, hot sauce. sauce? Yeah. It doesn't, it's still ocean snot. The I don't need The taste of the sea? When Didn't we, we come... have an oyster beer down in Coast, uh, Costa Mesa when we went down to that brewery? He's <laughs> seriously going to vomit. We got to go. When we come uh... back, <laughs> uh, the weirdest murder case in that a murder victim is testifying at the trial of the man accused of murdering her. We'll explain when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Shannon. Uh, Shannon's back, if you can believe that. Can you believe that? We're quite sure if you're ever going to come back. It was so nice being quiet and not hearing myself yap <laughs> for four hours a day. i got to be honest. 
It was kind of nice finding some silence, not hearing all this. Second or third day, you were just like, gosh, it's so... I know I know that's how you felt. No, you didn't. No, it's okay. Judy Malinowski will be testifying about her own death in the trial of her killer. What? Yes, a judge has ruled that the hour and 45 minute sealed taped deposition that she gave before she died can be heard by a jury. This is the first time something like this has happened in Ohio, according to court watchers there. It took a lot of constitutional law review, according to the judge who made this decision. Judy Malinowski suffered third and fourth degree burns covering 90% of her body after her boyfriend doused her with lighter fluid and set her on fire. This was uh, June of 2015 that Michael Slager tried to to kill her. She suffered third and fourth degree burns on about 90% of her body. In the two years that she lived after that, she endured 52 surgeries. Her mother, Bonnie, says Judy fought to tell her story. I think it's the first step toward what her legacy should and will be. And despite the injuries, I mean, you can, we've done stories before about burn injuries and how devastating they can be to the body. Painful. You, you, can't, you can't get away from that pain. And in this case, mom, Bonnie, said despite the extreme injuries, her daughter was aware and was absolutely strong enough to recount everything that happened behind that gas station in June of 2015. Very articulate. What um, happened, where she was, fear, all the, uh, everything from that day. Yeah, Bonnie said she was extremely frail. And if you've seen some pictures, I mean, this beautiful young woman was just marred almost beyond recognition in the fire. She was extremely frail and she was burned, but could very clearly articulate what what happened, where she was, her fear, everything that you could expect. In fact, Bonnie says, I'm so proud of her, and I know one day I'll see her, although my heart will be forever broken without her. They went to her hotel room and recorded her testimony in a first for the state of Ohio, like Shannon said. And the problem is the defense in this case said, oh, hold on a second. You can't do this, that it was obtained improperly, that it violated the suspect's right to confront his accuser in court. Well, here's the thing, though. A lot of it was uh, was cross-examination because there was a lawyer for his side in the room. Right. Um, so as long as somebody can be cross-examined, that should be testimony that they allow in. The uh, Thankfully, the judge in this case realized uh, or knew that this should be admissible and disagreed on the grounds that the case is unprecedented. Do you want to hear what this guy's excuse was? Have you ever heard this? Uh, What? So Michael Slager does say he did pour gasoline on his girlfriend when they were arguing in June of 2015. But he says he didn't mean to set her on fire. His argument in court has been 
He accidentally started the fire while lighting a cigarette for her. Yeah, well, you're going to hear all sorts of uh, reasons why they didn't do it, right? She was a, a mom, too, two daughters. And witnesses at that gas station in Gahana, Ohio, three years ago, said that there was arguing beforehand. Now, they did they did witness him using a fire extinguisher to try and put out the flames once uh, she was fully engulfed. Hey, thanks. He did plead guilty. Uh, or I should say he pleaded no contest uh, a couple of years ago, December of 2016, to charges of felonious assault, aggravated arson, possession of criminal tools, and was handed a sentence of 11 years. That was before she died. After she died, after she finally succumbed to her injuries after two years of treatment, basically, and like I said, dozens of surgeries, uh, a county grand jury returned a death penalty indictment against him for aggravated murder. So she had to go through all of those surgeries, all of that hell, right? And then she had to go through... 13 mental status exams before she could be deposed. They wanted to make sure she was totally right in her head. So she had to go to 13 different exams to show that she was a competent witness. Then, during the deposition, two-thirds of it, they say, was cross-examination. Two-thirds of that testimony. While she's lying there with third and fourth degree burns of her 90% of her body, she knows she's going to die. She's just lying there in pain. And some Apple defense attorney goes in there and spends hours cross-examining her. You've seen the pictures of her. Yes. It's not an easy picture to look no, at. No, it's a tough picture. What kind of an Apple defense attorney goes in and, and, watches, and, con- and looks continues at that face? Yeah. to cross-examine her like this? Oh, God. When she's in this condition. Do we have those to- pictures up on our uh, website? Excellent. Yeah. If you want to go check it out, Judy's, um, the pictures, they're hard to look at, but she was, I mean, this is an important case. The trial itself, I think, doesn't start until July, but we now know that uh, the testimony is going to be allowed, this taped testimony from her hospital bed. So if you want to go to KFIAM640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon. You can see Judy's pictures up there. Um, We'll continue with more in just a couple of minutes. article uh, in the Atlantic. We spent quite a bit of time talking about the heroin and opioid epidemic in this country now and what can possibly be done about it. People that get hooked on the pills and then can't afford the pills or the prescriptions run out and then chasing that high into alleyways to get heroin for, for cheaper. Well, the Atlantic wrote a story about France and its heroin epidemic in the 1980s, uh, epidemic in which hundreds of thousands of people became addicted. And they knew there was something that they had to do about this. The rate of OD deaths was rising 10% a year. Treatment was mostly limited to counseling at sub, uh, substance abuse clinics. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, sir. In 1995, uh, the French government made it so that any doctor could prescribe buprenorphine buprenorphine 
without any special licensing or training. You now, haven't been reading your medical journals while I've been okay. gone. Just at least not the pronunciation parts of it. Buprenorphine is a first-line treatment for opioid addiction, and it's a medication that will actually reduce the cravings for the opioid without itself becoming addictive. So any doctor could prescribe this drug that would help people get off opioids or heroin, help people not feel the cravings anymore. It was a policy change because before then, doctors had to jump through a bunch of hoops to be able to prescribe this medication. Uh, Well, the change in policy resulted in overwhelming change in France when it comes to this epidemic. I, there's there's that. I mean, it was if these primary care doctors are doing it and not just addiction specialists or, uh, psychiatrists, or psychiatrists, because there's so much stigma around going to a center, right. an addiction center or a psychologist. You're going to go if you could go and talk to your primary care doctor about getting help to get off of this stuff. It would make it a lot easier. The stigma's removed and you'd probably be more likely to get help. So they're saying that within. Within just four years, overdose deaths had declined by 79% because about 10 times as many addicted patients started getting treatment along with the medication, not just counseling, not just, um, you know, uh, reprogramming their daily lives, but with actual medical-assisted treatment with that, say it slowly, buprenorphine. There are tight regulations in this country when it comes to prescribing that medication. Um, Here, doctors have to take a special eight-hour class to get a waiver that allows them to prescribe this medication. Uh, The classes cost a lot of money. Um, Doctors, as we know, are even more pressed for time these days. That's why they spend about 42 seconds with you when you go to see them. Hmm. In one study, 10% of doctors in the United States said they didn't even know how to get the waiver, didn't even know the protocol for going to the class to get the waiver, to to, to give out this medication. Uh, there's a psychiatrist who studies addiction at Brandeis University, and he said that some primary care doctors might be daunted with the prospect of working with addicted patients, but... Listen to this. There's no special training class required to prescribe, I don't know, opioids. You can prescribe all of that, but you can't prescribe the stuff to get you off of that. And in terms of trying to cut down on the drug mills that we've talked to, these pill pushers, these doctors that have all kinds of clients that come in and have ridiculous amounts of painkillers that are prescribed to them, there's a cap on how many buprenorphine patients one doctor can have now not to go all conspiracy theory but you just wonder how much the pill industry is involved with making this drug not available so that they can sell more opioids at a higher cost it's it's possible i mean in in terms of the the negative attention that pharmaceutical companies have gotten in the past it's it's very possible even i mean there's other things that go into this it's not just the current law is the way America has it versus other countries. Uh, France is the example we're using here. France also does have a socialized medical system. So a lot of the people don't have to worry about costs. Agree with that or not, that's up to you. But this is one example where uh, a socialized medical system, specifically for people who are dealing with addiction, opioid addiction, etc., 
they can find help in some way without without running up against the roadblock of just not being able to afford it. They also developed a syringe exchange program at about the same time they were changing the rules for buprenorphine. Buprenorphine. I'm saying it incorrectly, and I'm going to say it six different times before the segment's over, I promise. So while some of the users did sell or inject this thing, it's supposed to be taken orally, by the way. It's supposed to be you know either pills or a drop, whatever it is. It's supposed to be taken orally, but people were injecting it or sold it. The practices did not result in nearly as many deaths as heroin would because of the simple danger, and I mean that in a complicated way, but the simple danger of what heroin is. The result of all of this, when you look at the the difference between France and the United States, is there are a lot of addicted people here who cannot find a doctor willing to prescribe them the buprenorphine on demand, especially if they want insurance to pay for it. So they're 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 stuck. I mean, if you look at doctors, don't want to just pre- prescribe this all day. Yes, and this be their their only thing that they do. Um, that's how bad the problem is, and that's how badly we probably need doctors. That that's all they do. In the Atlantic, where where this article is from, they looked at Parkersburg in West Virginia. West Virginia, by the state, by the way, has the state with the most overdose deaths. Suboxone dot com is a list is a site that lists the buprenorphine providers. Ten doctors within a 50-mile radius who prescribe buprenorphine, they attempted to reach all ten. Some of the contacts, they say, appeared to be in the same office. One doctor had a waiting list for patients. Three doctors did not accept insurance and charged hundreds of dollars a month in cash. One had a number that was disconnected, and one was both accepting new patients and took insurance. But you know what? If you have a drug that can get you off heroin, you've got to be cheaper than heroin or the same cost of heroin. Eventually, yeah. Um, and you'd so think one that there's some ten. way to do it. You know, you would hope. Uh, if you really want someone who's addicted to treatment, you have to. Uh, the, you it's not the case for the number of people who are currently addicted to heroin, currently addicted to opioids as a result of or heroin as a result of opioid addiction or vice versa. Um, you just don't have that. It's just not possible. So I don't know. There is something to learn from the example in France in terms of whether or not we have more and more doctors that are available to prescribe buprenorphine. Buprenorphine. Whoever, if you guys know how to pronounce it, just let me know. That'd be great. So I don't have to try to do that anymore. Uh, oh, did you see this? They're speaking right now outside this. Uh, this Stormy Daniels lawyer is such a whore, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, let's listen to what he's got to say. Michael President, Avenatti. At this juncture, I think the ship has sailed. Why did Ms. Daniels come to court today? There was no really reason legally for her. No, there was absolutely a reason because we wanted to ensure that the integrity of the documents was maintained and we wanted to lend her voice towards making sure that the American people learn the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but oh, the truth the about what happened to her and to others in her position over the last 10 to 15 years. All right, that's enough. That's, that's enough of that. That's enough. The truth, the no. whole truth. And nothing but the truth. So help me God. Michael Avenatti there, the, the uh, lawyer for Stormy Daniels slash Stephanie Clifford. Again, this was a Michael Cohen hearing about the documents that were seized by the FBI. Michael Cohen being the president's um, personal attorney for a long time. And what they're looking into has apparently to do with payments that were made 
whether it's to Stormy Daniels or Karen McDougal or anybody else who may have had some sort of a sexual relationship with the president. And the bigger question is, did Donald Trump know about them? But the biggest question in terms of the legal ramifications for Michael Cohen would be, was campaign money somehow used to try to pay these women off to keep them quiet before the election? I don't so. even know if the goal is still to depose the president. I mean, this looking at the Stormy Daniels attorney, I mean, he just looks like he wants to sign up more clients. Yeah, he'll he'll do fine. Unfortunately, he'll do fine. Right. John, my dear, how are you? It's been a long time. I know. <laughs> how was the trip? It was good. It was very good. It was yep. a, a lot of beautiful nature. Ah. A lot did you, of peacefulness. Did, I didn't have to hear myself talking for four hours a day, which was really the highlight. You and everybody else. I know. <laughs> I, listen, I hear you. <laughs> People seemed a little happier <laughs> just in the whole region. That's not true. <laughs> in the whole region. <laughs> the greater L.A., Orange greater County LA, area. Yeah, yeah. Well, however the signal goes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys have coming up? Today? Huh? Um, well, I, uh, this is really funny. Yoga Pants is on a full-blown campaign in Iowa. So oh, my God. Running you, for president. So. Did you hear what he said in Iowa? He said, we have a lot in common with you, Iowa, including yeah. the USS Iowa battleship that's parked in our pier. He said that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that like a Sarah Palinism? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? What? <laughs> what a goof. No. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, All right, that's go. good. Uh, in his State of the City address today, he used the term Angelinos 31 times. <laughs> really? <laughs> 31. I've never heard anyone else use that, that, was, uh, that out, term. Nobody. Outside of the these and the ofs and the uhs, that was the most used word in the entire Have you ever heard Angelinos. anyone in real conversation use the word Angelino? Not no. once. Not. No. He's the only and guy. that's his problem. Not really. All right, John and Ken All up right. next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Gary and Shannon.